Hello and welcome to Achievement Hunting 101. I'm Fufu Cuddlypoof and this is level 192. Joining me tonight is Kooshboos. Hello. Big L. Hello. And Matron. Hello. So I'm back. Last week was quite a week. I wasn't able to join, but I'm very much excited to, to record this week. Have some very yeah. interesting stories to talk about. Coincidentally, that's also our topic of discussion for this week. And Devin put out the call, got some patron responses. But this week's topic of discussion is, we just want to know something real easy. What's your funniest game or gaming experience that you've had? I want to start with Nate. It's also because he has the first patron response. You threw me off there. You're like, I want to start <laughs> by not starting. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's start off, since I don't want to start either, let's start with Legohead. He says, the funniest game is Battle Block Theater. My son and I laughed our way through all of the cutscenes. Uh, Breath Edge is a close second. Not usually that impressed by humor in games, so those two stand out. Nearly all of the sessions with any of the UK crew, both actual and honorary, end up being funny or fun and funny. We even have fun boosting gears. Seriously. I get it. That's a joke. That. That. <laughs> MDP73 says, The funniest moments are when I play Rocket League with Jay Black, and he misses the ball. Then later on, he'll smash the ball really hard into his own goal. Uh, and then he goes on to say, Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams Don't Dry, had some of the funniest, most ridiculous dialogue in any game I've played. I loved every second of it, and I can't wait to play the sequel. Now, I have to say that I do agree that um, sometimes those games like the Leisure Suit Larry and the Breath Edge um, make me laugh. What was that one? Uh, Her Majesty's... Uh, Spiffing? Spiffing? Yeah, yeah, Spiffing. Yeah, very, very so, yeah so Spiffing was a great game. Uh, that actually made me laugh. There, um, Not many games actually make me laugh hysterically that game did a pretty good job of getting me real close <laughs> to doing that um i think for me what really gets me laughing is boosting um because people oh my gosh uh <laughs> when you're under pressure and you're trying to get an achievement and you're in a group with people and you don't want to look dumb that's when you make the worst mistakes possible and <laughs> you are you, you are you're worst as a gamer uh and that's just hilarious um so <laughs> you, you whiff you hit a, a ball into your own goal, that sort of thing, uh, like Jay Black. Uh, that is when the funniest stuff happens. And for me, I just can't think of anything other than like the Titanfall boost early on. Yeah, I knew somebody was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember one time we were just doing stupid jokes. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad you're telling this story because I, I was like, if it gets to me and no one has, I'm going to have to. So, so please, <laughs> please, please, I, please. I remember we were just telling dumb jokes. And uh, Stushnikin uh, was in the group back then, and he just, when he gets tired and he tells dumb jokes, they're just, I mean, they're all deadpan, uh, and they're hilarious. And uh, I, I know that, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's one of Matrox's favorite jokes. Uh, she's mentioned it before, well, so I won't, I won't ruin that. But No, no, you have to. You have to tell the whole story at this point. I don't really remember the whole story. I, that's the thing. Is like, I can't remember a specific instance of something that was funny. I just know that it's always occurring in these boosting groups late at night. What? So... What had happened in this particular one? I'm sorry to be stepping on your answer, Kush. I will hand it back real quick. Do but it. As, as you already said, 
dumb do- jokes are being told, and these are punny jokes. So the joke comes up, what is a pirate's favorite flavor <laughs> of potato chip? Now, any normal person who's heard this joke knows the answer is barbecue. <laughs> but saucy slingo, and I don't know, the 1230 in the morning, like, just exhaustion-ridden, boosting this game for 20 months, yells at kettle corn at the top of his lungs. <laughs> And the whole room just <laughs> lost it. It was just like tears flowing. Like, and to this day, I will just I will randomly start laughing out of nowhere when I see kettle corn chips because I just think of he he just he said it with such confidence and such conviction, and it was so wrong that it was just it was a beautiful beautiful moment. Oh my god, that entire boost <laughs> took so ungodly long, but my yes. god, was it so good. Well, the reason so many stayed people stayed on is because it was as much an excuse to get together once a week and talk and tell stupid jokes as it was to finish the game. Oh my god! Every every Thursday night, it was we get on around nine ten o'clock, whatever our start time was. <laughs> well, or if you're free, and you get on at eleven thirty, everyone else time. <laughs> and we would go one two o'clock in the morning. I think there was once or twice where we were sitting there just talking dying mm-hmm. laugh until like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning we just nobody wanted to get off because we are all just having so much fun together and also we needed to get a lot of kills so <laughs> and we had to get a lot of kills that one map needed to come up and it wasn't yep just one more so many times of saucy talking about how he just could not hear l he could hear everybody else in the party <laughs> but he couldn't hear l and the koala noises Oh, Oh, yeah. Drop bears. (laughs) Oh, boy. Chances are, if you've hung out with any of us in chat and somebody's gone quiet for a while and the assumption is they're sleeping, you've you've heard the koala. (laughs) Sometimes you heard the koala. Sometimes you heard... The the vuvuzelas. Yep. (laughs) Oh, no, that wasn't it. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) The DJ horn or whatever it is. There's the <laughs> lots of inside jokes that we still persist. I think we had the uh, prices right yodeling. Uh, I was just <laughs> looking that up. <laughs> that was that was Toad Style Venom's thing. Was the we... the yodeling? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the best boost, hands down. Oh boy, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, it takes so long. Start. <laughs> And it's the wrong one. That's not it. What the heck? YouTube lies. The Price is Right Mountain Climber song. That is not it. Stupid YouTube. Right. Yeah, so We're getting back to, to the Kettle Con story, I think in Left 4 Dead or Left 4 Dead 2, there's definitely a Kettle Carn truck in one of the levels. Does that sound familiar? I don't remember no. that. Really? Oh, you know, oh, yeah. it kind of does. Yeah, because we, oh, we yeah. It. It's, in, it's in the, um, like, the something. carnival yeah. level, I think. Yeah. I, I knew the level you talked, the carnival level, dark carnival, but I don't remember the kettle corn yeah. truck. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a kettle corn, corn tr- truck. It's like a stand, like a right, popcorn right, stand, right. but it's specifically yeah. kettle corn. Yeah, I, I remember that. We'll have to see if we can find that anywhere. Um, but, Nate, I'm sorry, totally derailed you there <laughs> oh no no that's, i was hoping that someone actually remembered the story so but that was those it are the story, those are the stories we're allowed to tell 
yeah, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's other stories that aren't safe. Uh, we'd have to change the rating. <laughs> we definitely have to join in, like, in a party chat one time when things aren't being recorded and put out for everyone's knowledge. <laughs> that we admit to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was it. Just, you know, the boost. I think, for me, boosts are the funniest part. The games uh, can be funny, but uh, for the most part, it's it's really all about the boosting. Yeah, boosts are definitely fine if you got a real good group of people to do it with. All right, um, and more on that, more on that later with you, the game you're going to talk about. Exactly. <laughs> uh oh. What did you got? I can't uh, imagine what you're going to bring up. I. <laughs> All right. Um. Chewy on Ice says, Battle Block Theater was funny, as were some sections in Tales from the Borderlands. Huh. One that's a bit more obscure that I found hilarious was Astro Blaster or something. I loved the tone and style of it, and I had a great Monty Python vibe. I'd imagine I'd like Procession to Cavalry for similar reasons. Yes, I started Procession to Cavalry, and it is very funny. That looks like a um, new game. Yeah, the one strike against it is that it doesn't have uh, voice acting. But if you are a type of person that can't read, you definitely won't like it. But if you can read, you'll probably like it. Yeah, so it's a type of thing where, like, even if you're following a guide, you can do everything else first. That makes sense. I don't know. Basically, you'd go and talk to everyone before you do what you're supposed to do, and just mm. clarity will ensue. Use all your items on everyone. Whenever it's wrong, they they have a, a bit a sentence ready to go. That is a funny one. Um for me, funniest game of all time is Discworld, PC game. Probably very obscure, but if you know, you know. Discworld. Um, with Eric Idle playing Rincewind is just great. Never heard of that. Old point and click game. I'm sure you haven't. Based on a book series. I think in, in terms of consoles, it only came out maybe on the Saturn. Did it come out on the PlayStation? I know it came out on the Saturn. It did. So it, it, it was, was also on the PlayStation. Okay. But it was but that I played era, it on though. the PC. Like playing on the controller is just awful. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's before my time. Um. um Retro Chief will know what I'm talking about. He might also know about the Legend of Carandia trilogy for the PC. Another funny series. Another. I'm another sure there's never heard of. <laughs> yeah, it was before your time. I'm. I'm. I know there's other funny games, but it's hard to think of any. Um, as far as Space Quest. Yeah. Quest games. Sure. And of course, you know, Leisure Suit Larry, as, as MDP said. Um, as far as game experiences for me, um, of besides the the boosts we do uh, locally, uh, Jackbox Party Pack games are always a great time. Um, even with family members, and I usually cannot stand hanging out with my family, <laughs> but. <laughs> But, you know, and my wife's family, you know, we we get together, we play Jackbox two or three times a year, and it's always a good time. Now they're up to, what, nine, eight, nine? There's a zillion 
games to choose from. We always wind up with some variation of Quiplash and Drawful and and whatever else. It's just good times. Um, you don't even need to drink, but if you drink, it's even better. So, and the best thing about Jackbox is anyone can play. My parents can play. You, you, they they have phones. They might not know what they're doing, which is sometimes part of the fun. Anybody can play the Jackbox games. I recommend those for anyone looking to have a local good time. I love the murder mystery one, whatever it was called. Trivia, Trivia murder, murder party, party yeah, is probably it. the only one that requires any sort of knowledge and skill. Usually you can just wing the other ones. I like trivia, so that one is always like the go-to one when I when I play those. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Um, Pencil Knight says, my friends think the funniest game experience I've ever had is doing co-op Burnout Paradise challenges and trying to get all those flips in under the time limit and then race into the gas station, and they're sitting there waiting for me, and I blow right past it as time expires. They're wrong. It's not funny. <laughs> Shover Saves the Universe is the funniest game experience I've ever had. Well, the off-color and game-referential dialogue with the ultra-casual, semi-improved delivery had me laughing and always idling to make sure I'd heard all the instances along the way. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Burnout Paradise, since basically the exact same thing happened to me. <laughs> Any game I've played uh, with Skeptical Mario, he winds up capturing the, the inane Big L moments, Burnout Paradise being one. <laughs> Left for Dead, me shooting my own team makes it, you know. Uh, he's got game clips galore of me. <laughs> there's, a burnout, there's a Burnout Paradise uh, one um, where <laughs> if you're familiar with Burnout Paradise, there, there's a whole set of challenges you have to do. And these usually involve racing to a certain spot or jumping through a certain hoop. And there's one in particular where you have to jump into the loft of a barn. And Mario has a clip of everybody else sitting in the loft of the barn. And L comes full speed and Things off the right side of it. <laughs> and I, I hope that he'll be inspired to repost some of these gifts um, because they, they are quite glorious. <laughs> oh, my God. He's got a copy. Um, yeah. I've never played Trover Saves the Universe, but uh, thank you for that suggestion. I would like to play it based on I like your sense of humor, mental. So I think I would like it, too. At, uh, the, the, go ahead. I was going to say, Mario has the one clip... Of us playing Left 4 Dead, I can't think of exactly what what it is, but it was something like, I think I startled the witch on purpose and then run into to safe room or something like that, and the whore just gets L or something. I can't remember what it is now. I remember it involved um, the witch, but I didn't. I don't remember the specifics. Wow. That's why we're gonna get him to post these and and have some of these recollections in the the general chat. Uh, after we've given the patrons the opportunity to to share theirs with us for the podcast tonight, yeah, share all of them, all of them, Mario. Mental Knight's suggestion of game reminds me, uh, L. I think you've spoken highly in terms of humor, also about games like Demetrios and Guard Duty. Guard mm-hmm. Duty also has mm-hmm. some of that self-referential. I don't remember exactly what it is, but they do this whole thing about how you have to acquire DLC, and it basically comes down to some kind of license or something, but it was clever and, and funny, and it's the kind of game people skate through because it's a two- to three-hour completion with a guide. But that one has yeah. some good humor in it as well. I love Demetrius because it's very non-PC humor, and they say words that you're not supposed to say anymore. <laughs> I really like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Guard duty is basically a disc 
I don't want to say right. rip off, but it's a rip off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that one's funny too. I mean, Borderlands was mentioned before. Borderlands Two has right. some really good uh, moments of like claptrap. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to get Borderlands Two. It's due. Is it a dude general? Something. Is that dude oh. that loud guy that made us laugh hysterically? Oh, oh, um, Torg. Torg. Yes. <laughs> We were in tears, us and crew, and <laughs> during, during during the tiny Tina stuff, where it's, you find the dwarf. I punch him, but no, we need information. Roll your dice, twenty. I punch him <laughs> like. <It's an> <laughs> Even as somebody, like I obviously have talked to before about how I play Dungeons and Dragons, but even for someone like L who doesn't play that, like just the framing of it was so funny. Oh, so good. we were in stitches during that part. The Tiny Tina DLC is fantastic. It's so good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I'll go next. I'll start off by reading Dinoman's response. He says, my overall fun experiences was playing rock band with my mates back in 2008, 2009. Absolutely. That rock band. Mm-hmm. So many good memories. Uh, he continues, we had weekly hangouts mm-hmm. where we tried to go further in, in the tour mode. One night was especially funny because we finally got a million points on a song. Back then, we didn't play on Expert very much. But as we did, we cheered and yelled for about three seconds before we all went quiet. And then we laughed our asses off because of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I like... I know Elle and Michelle have also had like rock band parties. I remember getting getting together with my friends playing, you know, concerts to ourselves and acting like we're rock stars and whatnot playing that game absolutely absolutely blasting and almost blowing out our speakers on the whatever tv it was that we had i always had that one friend that thought they were a karaoke legend who would come over to play rock band and get really mad at the earlier iterations (laughs) of rock band that just wanted you to sing on what it viewed to be the pitch. Oh, so bad. And, and I don't understand why I'm doing so badly. Well, just drop it on easy. Then you can do what I want. I shouldn't play this on easy. I know I'm a good singer. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and it, it became more com- as a comical thing, but that was always, always a thing with rock band when people come over and, and the singers were always uh, a little disappointed at how rock band graded them. No fail mode is an absolute blessing in that game. When it's mm-hmm, party set, absolutely. Uh, setting. Mm. I loved me some rock band, but funny is not necessarily the word I would describe it as. But maybe I not rock nec- band's wrong. Not necessarily funny, but just it's all. It is just a good gaming experience. I think it depends. Not to play for fun anymore. <laughs> Your experience is going to vary. I, the, rock band was really big when I was in college, so I would bring it to the community room in my housing complex. And like people would do all sorts of, you know, pretending to jump off the little stage and th- like oh, the yeah. things they were doing were it's just like when we talk about boosts, the boosts itself are terrible, but it's the interaction between everyone in the boosts that make them so funny. It's so much fun. He- headbanging whoever's playing, mm-hmm. having a little mosh pits with like two people. It's just like just being dumb. Right, making fun of the person who chose the SpongeBob song, but then singing along as loud as you can. <laughs> yes. All that stuff. <laughs> I know one of my funniest gaming moments and I still talk about this when a couple of my friends get together but back when we were in high school we had one gaming 
all absolutely all night gaming session where all we did was play Halo 3 all night all night long and around four or five o'clock in the morning we got stupid like that just absolutely giddy we couldn't control ourselves we're all hopped up on monsters no sleep and playing it where we thought it would be absolutely hysterical if instead of playing with our gamer tags we all created new like guest accounts and someone was like cotton balls someone else was like the common cold or whatever um, and it would be like, so, you know, when you die, you were killed by cotton balls, you were killed by the common cold or something or something like that. And we were just dying laughing. It's just like, oh, you got killed by cotton balls. You're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, that's just the, I like that voice. <laughs> <laughs> the couple of us that were involved in that session. We talk about that all the time when we get together and whatnot. One of those things we'll always remember. Great gaming experience. Another reason why I like Halo so much. I have so many uh, stories like that. That was always one of those games where we got together to play. Uh, and how about you, Matriarch? Why don't you go? All right, let me highlight some more patron answers. We have Jay Black, who says that the one that comes to his mind is a recent one in Sea of Thieves. Beth Dealers had just bought a pet monkey and was showing it off to the rest of the crew. She passed it to me, and I ran to the deck with it. I said, watch this, as I put the monkey in the nearest cannon. She immediately ran to me shouting, and then I fired the monkey out of the cannon. <laughs> I and the rest of the crew were laughing so hard. I laughed so hard, I cried. So, not that we're advocating putting monkeys in cannons or anything. Um, it's not yeah, very Canadian of him. <laughs> Jay, you know, the, the more you get That's to know Jay true. Black, he's the least Canadian Canadian we know. It's something about living on the island, I think, <laughs> that uh, that changes them. Uh, we have another experience from Tony Coconuts, who shares playing drunk Texas Hold'em with a mix of mates and randoms was some of the funniest stuff that he encountered. The game was free when first released, so pretty much everyone on Xbox was playing it, and everyone seemed to have a mic. A mix of poker-related piss-taking with more general nonsense was the funniest game experience I had. Maybe one of those things where you had to be there, but being there was awesome. And I think that's a common thread. Agree. A lot of what we're saying is that it's being there in the moment. And this is, I didn't realize this about Texas Hold'em, because when I think about early Xbox arcade games that everyone played online, it's always Uno. And the experience isn't laughter. <laughs> the experience <laughs> is whatever was on people's vision cams, which may have cost, caused laughter. But slightly different than the story we heard here. Uh, and then finally, I there's this take from Mattism, who shared that he had good fun playing Doom, the new one, online. We had a rule that each kill required a taunt. So much fun with Facial LaFleur, Vulgar Latin, Hawkeye Barry, Death Dealers, Fug. Sorry if I forgot someone, it was a little bit ago. Also, and this is something we can all attest to, Dino Bull running around while someone chased him was fun. <laughs> if you have ever seen Dino Bull... In a Friday the Thirteenth session, I think it is. <laughs> he's he's a lot of, of fun to watch, uh, just because he's always screaming while he runs away from things. Uh, and yeah, this is my immediate thought too. Was my best gaming experiences, my funniest gaming experiences, have all come from really playing online. And I was a little worried about coming up with an example because, of course, Titanfall came up first <laughs> in my head, but. Um, that was a little while ago. I'm trying to think if there's anything recently. And then 
L came through yesterday when we were playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So if if you've ever played it, I don't I don't think you uh, Kenny and Nate you haven't. In this particular Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game, every time you finish a boss or a segment, there's a screenshot type of thing at the end. So there's like a still picture that happens while you're seeing your score tally from the end of the stage. And we're fighting this enemy. And right as the thing dies, it hits the screenshots. And, you know, it's Leonardo, who I play as, you know, hitting the enemy. And it's Michelangelo also hitting the enemy. And it's Donatello also hitting the enemy. And it's L in dead mode, totally retreated into his shell, just sliding across the bottom of the screen, because that's frequently what happens. So it was just, it was one of those you had to be there moments, but the rest of us started laughing a lot, because it was really fun to see that happen. There are just so many more stories like that, that are hard to tell appropriately, in a way. (laughs) I remember this other moment when we were playing Grand Theft Auto 4 back in the day. Um, you have to do a bunch of missions. And and I really didn't get big into that boost, but I was helping people with it as they were toward the end. And we had to pick up this package and deliver it. And I remember it involved being in a truck. And it took us forever to get this package and get it delivered. And and so we're trying to protect this, this truck, but the cops are on us. You know, it's a five-star warning level. And you just hear the guy driving the, the truck go, oh, Oh, oh no. Oh, oh no. Good. And as you turn to look at him, the truck is just slowly easing backwards off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there it went. Um, and it's the kind of thing, again, you had to be there. But if you were there that moment, like you couldn't even be angry because it was just so funny the way that it went down. Mm-hmm. It was great. But one thing I want to just put out there is that we have this great community we've built up around this stuff. So hopefully these stories are only the beginning of these stories that we have to share. And, and down the road, we can revisit mm-hmm. this question again, and we'll have all sorts of new tales to share. So we mentioned the Titanfall boost. I'm very much surprised, and I thought for sure Elle was going to bring this up, that nobody mentioned the Hawken boost. Yeah, yeah, the Hawken boost was a good time. Especially that was, we talked about this on the very first episode mm-hmm. of the podcast, and we've mentioned it a few times since then but the game hawk and it was real easy thousand gamer score i think it took us like two boosts maybe three to get everybody the full 1k but the whole the one thing that has been taken out of that more than anything was well first of all it was i think that's the only time i've ever played a game with elroy he is a total (laughs) single player uh, person, he never does anything multiplayer. Nope. But three thousand gamer score, yeah, you got him there. And he at one point just somehow got like one of those little, um, well, we call them water bugs here, but he got like <laughs> one of those June bugs o- on him, and he just flicked it off, and he's just like, oh man, got one of them June bugs on me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> way he said it. Wow. Oh my god, you died. Yes. Crew absolutely definitely... cracked up laughing. <laughs> and it was the kind of thing that it got him laughing so hard that it made all of us laugh so hard. And it just fed into each other. And it was like a solid five minutes of just tear streaming laughter. All of our stomachs hurt. He Prue could not believe that someone actually spoke like that. Yes, that was the way he, he thought it was just like a movie. He literally said thing. that. Like as soon as Elroy said that, <laughs> Prue starts laughing. He goes, 
I didn't know anyone actually talked like that. That was his response, yes, word for word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so great. Oh, my God. And it, it was such one of those moments that one of our custom emojis in Discord is a June bug <laughs> just because of that. I don't even remember who was all in the party outside oh, I don't of... Either. Myself, El, Michelle, Prue, and Elroy. I don't remember who would have been. I imagine there at least would have been a six, but oh my god, it was just one of those things. Just absolutely hilarity. It sounds dumb me trying to explain it now, you know, thinking about it, but it was just one of those moments. It was so, so good. And like, uh, I think it was, I forget who said it, one of the patrons said it, where you just had to be there. Oh, Tony Coconuts. It was just one of those things where you, if you were there, you're dying laughing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I had forgotten that one. Isn't, that's amazing how that goes. I, that had totally slipped my <laughs> mind. But what... Oh, man. That was so fantastic. Yeah. The, as soon as I saw this question, Titanfall and Hawken, coincidentally, both basically the same game, both of those games just immediately popped into mind of just absolutely hilarious moments or just funny gaming sessions or whatever yeah with that uh <laughs> that was fun oh man that was a really nice trip down hey, uh, that was Koosh. that was a great prompt and- yes when you play with saucy does he act more normal or does he just save that when i'm around <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean when you get used to playing with saucy <laughs> Uh, you know, there's just a different baseline with him. Uh, I mean, his his nickname is Wildcard. <sighs> I mean, name. he oh is the God, wild card. I mean, everything that. he does, he is the wild card. So <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, I'm sh- I'm sure we could go on for hours on telling different stories of just over the years of boosting sessions or just general multiplayer games or whatever. Yes, yes, we could. <sighs> See, these are the moments of why video games are just, it's the superior hobby. Getting together <laughs> an Xbox Live or even if you, for some reason, play PlayStation. Like, oh, that's just boy. the moments. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> no code. There's no I'm code. a fanboy. I'm I, I an unapolog- fan, unapologetic fanboy of Xbox. It I love really, the console wars. It's stupid, but I love it. <laughs> it really makes me think back, though, to when I first got my Xbox and it came with that free month of Xbox Live Gold. And I remember thinking when I punched in the digits, I'm never going to use this. And it totally transformed huh. how I play games. Like everything about it, like all these great moments. Not to say that there wouldn't have been great moments sitting and enjoying a, a great single player experience. And those still exist. But all this stuff like would not have happened. And it. it it changed how we all game to be able to game mm-hmm. remotely the way we do. Now you guys sit and enjoy single player experiences together in Xbox Live Party. <laughs> no, that is not normal. That is <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a unique, completely unnormal thing. <laughs> you never played a right. past the controller game locally growing up. Well, that's different. No, I mean, it's you're not, not passing the controller. Now you got two people getting achievements at the same time and someone telling me what to do. See. Well, when you Makes word sense. it like that, it just sounds efficient. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> Don't you normalize him. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird behavior. <laughs> All right. Let's get, 
<laughs> let's get off of those game stories and let's get into other gaming stories. Uh, let's jump into the game showcase. Uh, Nate, why don't you go on first? Well, I have some stuff that's going to come up in Brag Camp, but um, I I played a Memoir Blue uh, this week. I have no uh, idea what is, this is. Okay, so it's a brand new Annapurna interactive published game, right? Uh, in the I've been loving the Annapurna published games and just been really looking forward to them. I've really been looking forward to a Memoir Blue, uh, and then I played it. Um, it is, I'm sad to say it, it, it kills the hype, uh, for Annapurna stuff. I know a lot of people were upset about 12 minutes. I thought 12 minutes was good. I thought it still, uh, held up well and, and did, did a good job. I forgot of, all about 12 uh, you know, minutes of keeping Annapurna stuff, you know, hyped in my mind, a uh, memoir blue, um, you know, the music, the trailer for it was really emotional. And I thought, okay, this is going to be cool. I like the two art styles. I started to play the game and I realized this is just an animation. I'm not playing a game. This is this is just like an, a film school animation. It's combining two different media types, like a, a 3D rendered game uh, or scene. And then sometimes there's like a 2D cartoonish character that's overlaid. Um, there is a story, sort of. Um, uh, you know, there's no... I'm trying to remember back. I didn't play for very long. I played it for an hour and a half, and I was done. That was the 1K. Um, wow. No, I guess it's quick. Yeah, it was fast. And I actually started to play. I played got about a chapter or two or one or two scenes in, and I said, I'm not liking this. Uh, I don't want to play this any longer <laughs> than I have to. So I went back, and I started looking at the achievements, and I said, okay, I'm just going to get this done in one playthrough because the achievements are not tied to progression. They're tied to just doing different things. Some of those you'll do naturally. Um, some of those you won't. Um, but for the most part, that, that's how I would recommend trying it out. See if you like this game. I have a feeling most achievement hunters will not want to play it twice. They're just going to want to go for the achievements and get it done. Um, that being said, um, some of it's cool. Some of the animation is really cool. Uh, but you're basically playing a glorified um, sh- you know, short. You're, you're watching a little video uh, that's talking about the relationship between a mother and her daughter and that's pretty much it you're just watching the different scenes through their life uh and you're going to different areas and uh remembering different things and just going through all that so so when uh, you yeah it was kind of a kind of a disappointment when you say playing what is your actual interaction is it just moving from point a to point b or is it just pressing a to advance dialogue because we've had many discussions about games as art and at what point is it a game like it sounds like this is super super hands-off so what is playing exactly in the context of memoir blue yeah so what you'll do is you'll see a scene they'll set a scene for you you know let's let's just say uh uh, the first scene a woman is sitting on a couch she's taking a nap and you're rifling through her purse um so (laughs) her purse is just (laughs) not her purse her her gym bag is open and you're just uh doing whatever you can to whatever is there so there's like a spray bottle i think for her her goggles you know her swim goggles to kind of you know defog them so you just you can take the lid off of it you just push a button and the lid pops off you push the thing and it sprays you can push on the glasses case and it'll open very limited interaction uh and then you know you do the thing that you were they were waiting for you to do which is to click on the phone um, stuff like that. And so you'll do that okay. and then you'll get prompted and you'll do something else. 
Uh, and then it'll just kind of go through what it's going to do. It's just going to go through some sort of animation. And, oh, now we're on to the second scene. And here they set the stage. And now I just play with stuff until I do the right thing that moves me on to the next part. Um, so, yeah. So, it's there's not really gameplay to it. You're just you're clicking the, the next button or the go to next button, which is basically, in this case, just manipulating a few things on the screen. And now I can go on to the next scene. So, yeah. It's a disappointment for me. Uh, I was expecting more gameplay. Uh, I was expecting a lot of narrative, and I just didn't get any of that. So, just in general, a disappointment. You know, my expectations were, you know, whatever. You know, maybe that's on me. Uh, but I was expecting more of a game, and just wasn't that. So for okay. you, yeah, kind of- I'm uh, I'm watching a bunch of different clips on TA, and I can't even tell what this game is. I'm watching yeah. these clips. Because you're just watching a, a short. You're watching a video short is basically all it is. Um, and it's kind of cool, but um, I wanted more, you know, interaction. I wanted to be playing a game, and that's not what it was. So uh, so just be prepared. You know, it's in Game Pass, brand new. takes about an hour and a half. If you're, if you're using a guide, you can probably get it done in an hour, hour ten, something like that. Um, like I said, I played, like, the first two uh, sections. And I just realized I didn't want to be doing this anymore. I uh, went back and then I, you know, optimized my my playthrough. Um, so once that was done, uh, it didn't take very long. <laughs> I then I've been playing uh, based on fear. Uh, so I completed <laughs> Narita Boy two stacks this past uh, week. Congratulations! And then and I started looking at uh, Freem's guide. You know his his spreadsheet of other things that are going to be leaving soon. I said, you know what, I need to just make some headway on some of these things that are leaving soon. So I jumped on to destroy all humans. Now, this is a remaster sort of re yeah, it's not a remake. It's a remaster of, of a three sixty game, I believe. And um, it plays like an old school game and it's fun. This is just a fun, actual game. (laughs) You're running around, you're killing humans, you're exploding their heads, you are stealing their DNA, uh, their (laughs) brain stems. And you are flying your saucer, and you're abducting cows, and you're just doing all sorts of weird stuff. And it's just great. It's just fun. But it is old school gameplay. Um, you're revisiting the same levels over and over with a different mission. Um, you know, just like you, you know, in old school games, you can revisit these places. You can also go back once there are no missions. And you can just do some challenges in the levels. Um, the achievements, there's a bunch of stuff for just doing random things. Like, uh, there's a donut on one level and you just have to fly through the donut. Uh, so there's some weird stuff like that. There's, uh, progression based stuff like use this weapon, visit this level. It's as simple as just visit this level, which you have to do anyway. And then towards the end of the game, um, it gets a little tougher and you will have to put some effort into the game, but I don't mind that. Uh, it's fun. Like I said, uh, and to get these later achievements, which are around the, say, 2.6 to 4.9, I'm sorry, 4.29 ratio, uh, you have to basically upgrade everything. Upgrade all of your alien stuff, your weapons, your movement abilities, uh, your defense, your shields, and do the same thing for your ship. Uh, and once you do that, those challenges are going to be easier. <coughs> I don't want to say that they're going to be easy, but they are going to be easier uh, to get three stars on, which is what you need to get the uh, the full completion. So, but that was a fun game. Uh-huh. Um, that later game stuff that you're talking about, where you have to upgrade everything fully, is that stuff you would do 
naturally in the course of the game? Or is that stuff that's going to see you playing beyond just the story kind of elements? Well, so far, I am getting enough experience. You get experience by um, popping human heads and, and taking their brain stems, but also making progress in the game. As you complete each level, you'll get so much DNA, which is your experience. Um, and if you just need, let's say you just really want to grind on something, you can go back to an earlier level and just play it and just pop heads and then pick up that um, those heads, and then you can then spend that to upgrade your stuff. So, for instance, I recently got to a level that was a little bit tougher uh, than previous levels just because they were throwing, um, let's say, tanks at me and huge robots, uh, and I just wasn't able to do enough damage. And I, I Luckily, I just kind of stuck with it and got it done, but um, another option would have been just go back, you know, grind a different level, um, on free play, get a whole bunch of XP, upgrade my skills to the max. Uh, they kind of gate your skills. So depending on your progress in the game, you can upgrade certain skills to certain levels. Um, I have not had any issues yet, but that was a point where maybe I would have gone back and upgraded for more damage and things like that, more clip capacity and such. But I didn't, didn't actually need it, but it was available if I had to. Okay. See, now this game looks like fun. Yeah, it's fun. It, it reminds me of um, Mars Attacks, the movie. You probably don't know what yep. that is. I know what that is. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's kind of like that, and um, it's an old school shooter. You know, you're running around over the shoulder, just blowing everything up. It's really fun. Um, and there's this cool mechanic where you can scan people's brains, and sometimes you'll use that to pacify them. Sometimes you'll use that to uh, give them commands like, hey, follow me, and uh, then they can attack things that are attacking you. Uh, you have another command where you can uh, assume their identity or uh, assume like their look. So you can, it's called hollow bob, and you can <laughs> hollow bob a person, and then you'll look like them. So you can walk into a restricted area and not be shot on site for being an alien. You can look like a police officer or an army person or just like um, just anybody else, just like a normal person. Uh, so that, you know, just normal person will make sure that you're not uh, shot on site. But then there are like higher security areas where you have to be uh, like a soldier or a police officer to be able to get into. Because uh, if you're even in there as like looking like a regular person, they'll shoot you and discover you. And then uh, your disguise wears off and uh, yeah, and then it gets kind of crazy. But uh, the nice thing is you have a jetpack, so you can fly over walls if you start to get... Uh, too much heat on you, you can fly away, you can fly up to a rooftop, let your shields regenerate, and then kind of go back at it. Um, so it's not terribly difficult so far. There are little breaks you can do like that. But uh, it's definitely uh, more of an <laughs> experience and more of a game uh, than a memoir blue. <laughs> now, does Frame have any idea of when he thinks this might leave? Game Pass? Yeah. So this game, I think, is two months out. Um, it's, it's either next month or the month following. Um, so I'm basically just playing games that are in that kind of window or, or you know, a guess because all these things are guesses, right? So we don't know for a fact what's leaving until they tell us when it's leaving. But, uh, Freem has been compiling and, you know, trying to figure out dates based off of publishers, based off of developers, uh, their previous games and when they left. And so he's looking at the month, uh, limits for those. And that's kind of, you know, he has a couple different ranges, uh, and this is pinned somewhere on the Discord. 
Uh, so you, you could grab this as well. Uh, but he has like percentiles. Like he's guessing, no, oh, this is like a 90% certainty. This is a 75% certainty. This is a 50% certainty. And this has, I have no idea. I'm just guessing. Um, or not <laughs> enough data. And so I'm just trying to use that to get things. So I'm not doing the end of the month game pass or the end of the two week period game Never. pass uh, as much as I have been. Looks like Stray All Humans came to Game Pass May 1st. So that is the one year guess, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm I don't think that up. I don't think it's any more than most games are there for a year. So it's a good guess. But not official. Yeah, I mean, there were other things, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about the spreadsheet too much, but they're you know, Octopath, Octopath Traveler, he thinks, like, next month is going away, and Zombie Army 4, oh, actually, Destroy All Humans was next month, so yeah. And that's that's why I had been playing Outriders um, previously uh, so much, is because we were afraid that it was going to leave soon, so I'm trying to play a little more to the spreadsheet so it doesn't get so... So that I can't play what I want to play when I want to play it, basically. Smart. But yeah, that was a memoir blue and destroy <laughs> all humans. I guess your experience with the memoir blue kind of blue. <laughs> hey, hey don't, don't get all blue on us here. This is a family <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's blue, memoir blue, memoir blue. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to stop that. Awful. Those are awful <laughs> jokes. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and talk about my game, uh, which is Back for Blood. So, before Yay. I, <laughs> before I actually get into this, um, as this was a game that myself, L, Michelle, and Peru have been playing for a Thursday night crew, um, Nate, have you played this at all? Like, do you have any experience, or do you just kind of know about this? Uh, I have no experience with this game whatsoever. All right. Now, I guess this is the time to take a potty break while we talk about this. Keep it that way. <laughs> um, Cherish. So, Back for Blood, if you, if you don't know what this game is somehow, it's by the same developers that did Evolve and they worked on Left 4 Dead. This is very much Left 4 Dead, but because Valve refuses to count the three, they created Back for Blood, and it's the same stupid game, except it's, you know, them calling them Infected. They're called Ridden, which is a much worse name. I'm probably not going to call them Ridden unless it's by accident. I'll probably call them Zombies or Infected, but technically it's Ridden. And the other major, major change that they added to the game is that there is a card system available or in the game. Now, the game plays like Left 4 Dead, where you start off and point A, which is a safe room, you ha you fight through your zombie horde to get to point B, which is another safe room, try to get as many survivors there until you go all the way through and beat the big bad and save the day. Now, the cards, how they come in into play, every single time you start a run, you have corruption cards, <clears throat> which adds some sort of a debuff or makes the game more challenging like the zombies if you shoot them in the head they explode or they catch on fire if you touch them or there's more zombies or what have you there's there's a whole bunch of cards and then on the flip side you have a deck 
where as you play through the game, you earn supply points. Those supply points buy you can use to buy um, cosmetic BS and more importantly cards. And those cards you add to your deck, which give you some sort of a buff, whether it be more stamina. Um, you heal when you do a melee kill. More damage. There's a there's like a thousand of them, so it's all kinds of different buffs. Now the other big difference between this and Left 4 Dead is that Back for Blood is hard. Like we often talked about this game being like dark, the Dark Souls version of Left 4 Dead. Now we have been playing this. For months, really. This came out uh, back in October. What was it? Um, October 12th of last year. So about five months now we've been playing this. Which sounds like a long time. But the thing is, none of us wanted to play this at the beginning. And when I say none of us wanted to play this, I mean like we would get on. We would try once, twice, maybe three times for the first couple of weeks. And then we say, screw this, let's go play Halo or Rocket League or something else. Like, we would only put 20 minutes into this game before we got frustrated and said, we're done and let's go, and let's go do something fun. Or just we play our own games by ourselves and just sit there and talk. Um, personally, I've actually come to really like this game. I really enjoy this game now. At first, I hated it. And I'm sure if you go back. October, November-ish of the podcast, I'll, I've said on on no recordings that I hate this game. Then my mind has changed as I've gone to figure out this game. Now, the reason I actually bring this game up is because we have officially beaten it. We Yay. That was our main goal. That's all we want to do is we want to be able to beat the game on Recruit, Go through, mop up some of the, of the easy achievements, like there's secrets that you have to go We're find. On <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm I getting wish, to that. Yeah, okay, go, go for ahead. it. But go, I just want, I, I wish Sorry. we can get crew to record like a 30 second micro review well. of the game and just put it into the podcast, like right here. Because mm. to you said you're going to go into it, but to hear Prue express the same oh thing is, is another one of those very, very funny and party moments that just does not translate well. When you retell yes. the story, when we say on, that we I hate hated this it, game so much. <laughs> nobody <laughs> hates this game more than Pro. I promise you that. I have never, never heard Pro so angry at a game, <laughs> cussing, screaming, and <laughs> so. <laughs> so He's going to throw another controller in the oven any minute now. <laughs> so last week we got to the final, the final boss, the abomination. And basically it's a three stage boss. We lost at the third stage. Prue was so defeated. I could feel his defeated through well, the interwebs. Let's, let's I could just feel it. He, back. he was literally sitting there shooting the wall. Not talking. He was so <laughs> frustrated at the game. He just had his pistol and you just saw him bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I think, just shooting one spot at the wall. I think it's important to acknowledge, though, 
So it's a battle in three parts. We don't want to go into too many details to, as to spoil the further things, but you can tell when you get there because Act Four is just one chapter that it's not going to yeah. be just the first portion of it. So you it's know when obvious. you get through the first portion, you're going to hit a second portion. The second portion is not easy. We struggled several times just to get to the second portion before finally beating the second portion. And then, oh, the abomination just backs up and starts walking into the third one. So it wasn't just that we lost on the third one. It's that we thought we were done after struggling for like two hours just to get to that point. Yeah, it's it is by no means an easy game. And then, of course, when and we finally did it, we won our second trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and the very next week, we, we go in. We're like, all right, we're ready to go. And we beat it in two tries. Yep. Oh, such a, that was so such a relief when that was done. Mm-hmm. Very satisfying. Very, very satisfying. And that's where, like, I know I said to Nate at the outset of this, of you talking about Back for Blood, don't don't start it. But I'm, I'm of a mixed mind because I'm actually with you, Kenny. I like the card building. I, I like mm-hmm. the flavor that gives to the game. So it's not just another survival-based co-op shooter. Yep. Uh, I have no problem with it. And, and it gives you a lot of opportunity to really customize. And especially as a team-based game, you want one person who's really doing, like, really prioritizing healing and one person who's really prioritizing melee and speed. Like, there's a lot that can be very, very cool to work with. A lot of strategy can go into this game. But to Prue's point, we played the game on Recruit. And even if you're not good at a game, you should be able to stomp your way through on Recruit. And I, I agree to that. And we should not have felt the sense of elation of barely getting through a battle at the end that we felt on the lowest possible difficulty. The game's difficulty balancing is still very poor after multiple balance patches yeah that's the thing especially when we first started playing this when it was at its full like difficulty there was no nerfs there's no buffs or anything like that the game was much harder than what it is today Mm -hmm. and while i guess i've defended the game a little bit in chat while we we're talking about this, because I think this game was is supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be difficult. So even like recruit, you know, uh, man, like what was what was the percentage of? Let's see. I think overall on all of Xbox, it was like a six percent unlock rate of beating Act Four on recruit. It was something real low. Like it is just a, it's supposed to be a difficult game. Yeah, five point six percent. But okay, I see, yeah. I, I don't agree because the understanding I have from stuff that we've talked about during our our sessions, but I have not researched to confirm, is the difficulty in the game was not this difficult until beta testers complete complained that it was too easy. So they took a small subsection of people, like generally people who beta test a game are people who are super interested in the game. You don't get the casual player generally and listen to their feedback and altered the difficulty so far in the other direction. I don't think that was the initial intention to do that. I just think when they released the full product, they had already moved the needle so far over that it's taking a long time to correct. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see several more balance patches or even the introduction of a new like beginner mode as opposed to recruit or whatever they call it, just to mm-hmm. get some more of those people in at the ground level. Because there, there is a update coming to the game soon, I want to say in uh, in April. Yeah. So 
we'll we'll see more balancing, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'll also be honest, like that's just my assumption. You very well could be correct. Uh right, we're just we're both yeah, just working on assumption. Just, yeah, the balance could just be way off. And the balance was way off in the beginning. Like so that was one that was another thing. Since this was the Left 4 Dead developers, we all went into this game blind. Uh we didn't really we didn't beta test it. We didn't look at walkthroughs. We didn't look at reviews or anything like that. We all went into game blind thinking that this was going to be Left 4 Dead 3. Well, it actually was Left 4 Dead 3 plus all this other BS stacked on top of it. And basically every single difficulty was a FU difficulty. Right. And the balancing was awful. I mean, at the, at the beginning, you never had a chance to rest. You never had a chance to heal. And it was way too difficult. I don't know how anybody could beat the game in its original state on recruit unless you're just like a first person shooter god on computer or something like that. I do want to know, L, what was your final thoughts of it? Relief. Glad it was over. <laughs> I actually enjoyed the final boss once we and the feeling of sucking at first and getting mm-hmm. gradually better. I did enjoy that feeling. Agreed. But I can't imagine that there's two more difficulty levels on top of this. It just sounds dreadful. Well, and that's the wild part. There's two more difficulties on top of this. And April 12th, if I remember correctly, is when the next uh patch and update comes they're adding a difficulty on top of nightmare gosh which i just i i I cannot fathom that like that's one of the things that we talked about when we're done when we get through all the achievements of grabbing the the last couple of easy ones this coming thursday we just want to just do a nightmare mode just to see what it's like and how much more difficult it is (laughs) compared to recruit you just want to do that to hear prue let's be realistic I mean, I do. I do. There's been plenty of times where he is screaming and cussing. I'm just dying laughing. I cannot believe it. I mean, I think if you peel it back, Back for Blood's gameplay is fine. And and Mm -hmm. it feels like Left 4 Dead. Like, it it really does. You're going between safe rooms. You're killing different types of infected or whatever they may be called. It, it, It feels that way. So I think if you're intrigued by that, you may want to give it a look, but you really have to have other people to play it with. Like I have yes. read online with the final boss, you cannot beat it with the with the bots. Like you actively cannot. You need to have a team of four to go and play the final battle. So there's there's a lot like gameplay wise, I think it's fine and it has really it has some fun moments, but there's just so much other stuff working against Back for Blood that hopefully someday with more patches and more balancing, it'll get to a point where it's more accessible, but it's, it, it just, it feels inaccessible the way it is right now. Yeah. Like completionists absolutely stay away from this. Right. Unless you know what you're getting into and you are willing to sign up for, for it. If you are a completionist, do not put this on your tag because you're probably not going to complete it. Mm hmm. It's a pity. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I actually have come to really enjoy this game. If it wasn't for a cup, there, there needs to be a couple of, um, what's the term, quality of life improvements mm-hmm. for me to want to play this game and at least attempt to complete it. 
made first and foremost the amount of supply points that they give you is so freaking little it's not it's it's laughable <laughs> well that if for people who don't know explain what supply points are and what they're used for yes explain it to me <laughs> I, okay, I wasn't I mean, calling I mean, the people. I, mean, I mean the people <laughs> before we get to the points that was also the thing that worked against us ellen Pru. i don't think they they have ever created a deck so uh, i did michelle I did. and i at least created I a deck, deck so yeah, okay. They create they didn't create a deck that they understand <laughs> it's a how huge it works. Deck. Right. I they like just kind of threw cards together and went, I hope this is good. I used a card where if you melee and kill an enemy, you get like two hit points. That one was actually really helpful to be mm-hmm. extremely thought about. Yep. But yeah, the supply points basically it's just it's like the in-game currency, if you will. And when you beat a level, you get X amount of supply points that you then go to what they call supply lines and there's like four different options of supply lines and they each have eight different items ranging in different va- uh, values and out of those eight items there's like two cards there's stupid cosmetics sprays skins whatever you know nothing that you actually want you only want the stupid cards and as far as i can tell it's random of what cards pop up and it's also random what supply lines pop up after you complete them. And the cheapest cosmetic that I've seen is like five supply points. And then I think there's been a card for like 100 and 150 supply points. Now you may be thinking, well, how many points do you get for beating a level? I think the absolute most we've ever gotten for beating a level was like 42. And that's with all four of us somehow making it through to, to the end. And I was playing by myself just to kind of test, you know, well, how fast could I farm points? Maybe I could just get some cards or whatever. I played the very first level and just, I mean, speed ran the the level. And I think I got like 30 supply points. I'm like, this isn't even, this isn't even worth it. Because, and this is one of the quality of life improvements I wish they had is you can't replay a mission. So like if you wanted to keep doing the same mission, you'd have to back out go back to the lobby, you know, start the start up the mission and then complete it and, you know, rinse and repeat. So trying to farm the points is difficult. One of the recent improvements they made in a patch was that you get supply points even when you lose. <laughs> because this is a thing, right? You go through a level, you get all the way to the end, you get to the finale, you just can't beat it. So we're all like, sweet, we have lost so much at least Kenny and I understand the card building. If we can get supply points, we can build what we need to, and we can get through this. You don't they feel like your you time's completely wasted. Two. Two <laughs> supply points. And it's not like, okay, you died at the beginning, so we're just going to give you two because you started the stage. All the way to the end of the stage, losing on the final thing, and you get three two. Times. Two. You lose three times before you right, get the you two get supply points. you get three before you get your supply points. Two. It, it's It's... An amount that's like, why, why even put this in? This is, it, it's not, the, the lowest cost items in the supply lines cost 10 points, I think. And the higher ones will cost 100 or more. So I understand not wanting to give people a way to grind the levels by just quitting out. I get that completely. But if you play all the way to the end of the level, there you should get 98% of what you would have gotten if you finished the level. It's just so poorly done. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of things that could be changed around that really just make the game, like you said, more accessible. Assuming that they want it to be. I mean, maybe they will add a 
beginners beginner difficulty and it is you know you a walk in a park and you can just go through and experience assuming that there's a story there which by the way that's another stupid thing about this game there's a story involved <laughs> and all of the dialogue and when i say all of it i'm not like joking i'm like all of the dialogue all of the plot points is happening mid game so while grenades are going off you're shooting you're shooting all the infected they're in, they're screaming and whatnot they're giving you plot points i have no idea what's going on through this game and let's see uh ta says that i have put 26 hours into this game no idea what what is happening not even a clue zombies showed up and were got to defend fort hope and i got that by the two cutscenes in the game <laughs> Like, why are you? What is the purpose of putting some sort of a story together, recording dialogue, if you're not going to give me a chance to even hear it? Yep, that that summarizes a storybook back mode for in this game would would actually be decent. Well, that's what a lower difficulty would help you do. It would help you. But yeah, pay that's attention all I got to, to the say story about beats. Unless you guys got anything you want to add? No, I I think we have probably given Back for Blood more time than it deserves at this point. All right. Well, that's enough of Back for Blood. So. uh Oh, what game you want to talk about? All right. Well, the topic of this week's show seems to be humorous games, and I have another one for you. And it is very rare that I find a game that makes me laugh out loud, but Battletoads is indeed a very funny game. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> of course, Battletoads <laughs> is known as the hard-as-nails NES game which basically got famous for being hard as nails. And going back and playing that game on Rare Replay, I really didn't like it too much. I did struggle through it and finally got through it using uh, both Rewind and Save States, eventually beat it, and it's really not that great. One thing that it did do well is that it I mean, it's a beat-em-up game, and outside of beat-em-ups, you had uh, other types of of gameplay interspersed in there. Like, of course, the famous uh, tunnel where you're in the flying cars. And Battletoads for the Xbox One is no different. It is on Game Pass, uh, including PC Game Pass, if you want to play this game on your computer for some reason, unbeknownst to anyone. And it has 61 achievements. Um, now this game, unlike Back for Blood, allows you to pick what's called Tadpole difficulty, and you can go through the whole game and pretty much breeze through it. Shocking, isn't it? So, of course, I wound up with this on my random to-do list, and I had a earlier achievement that I re-rolled and wound up with the second achievement in this game, so... I said, great, this is wonderful. Month's almost over. Let me try to get these two achievements and wrap up this month of random to-do list. And, uh, of course, I uh, got the help of my wonderful friend, Michelle, to help me. Unfortunately, there is no online co-op in this game. So we had to play play locally. Uh, The good news is, or maybe not for her, is that the game does... (laughs) Did wind up on her tag, and you know achievements pop for both players. 
mm-hmm. most achievements pop for both, like beating the levels and such, and some are individual, like killing a specific number of enemies and uh, stuff like that. But there are a lot of achievements, and because it's on Game Pass, they are very inflated. I mean, we played on the easiest You're difficulty, welcome. and most of the achievements we were getting after a couple hours were two plus ratios easy. And there's a certain three and four ratio ones um, that are really just not hard, but I guess the idea is if you're just playing through, you don't know that they're there. And that's what it is. So like the NES version, there's different genres in the game. Uh, Most notably a spaceship level similar to Galaga, where you're in a spaceship and shooting stuff. In co-op, it's very interesting. They make uh, one player fly the ship and the other person shoot the ship. Um, There was another level where you're... What would you call that level, Michelle, where we were on the little ski thing and we had to jump onto different terrains and hit the appropriate... It's it's an on-rails sort of thing. Like if you've played Rayman... um, legends and you know the music stages where everything you just have to hit the button or like runner it's a okay, stage like a that one. yes so in co-op we, we had to both do it and it kind of gave us credit for both of us doing it it was interesting and yeah, I, I thought that yeah just as to that point i thought that was cool that they didn't the Anytime where there's a section that would normally be single player, they didn't lazily add a second player by just duplicating the event. They always make it so that there's unique things to do. So in one segment, if you're playing it in single player, as the scene moves from person A to person B to person C, you would just control them all. But in multiplayer, it it indicates on the upper left of the screen which characters are being controlled by which player. So they definitely didn't just didn't develop co-op as just sort of an attachment like they really thought about what that mode would be and how to make that as engaging as possible for both players right and unfortunately we did not have a third player to play with but i imagine in three players it's even more of a blast uh we had a good time and it starts off in traditional beat-em-up fashion the cutscenes are hilarious Uh, i don't remember it being this funny on the nes (laughs) <laughs> they say some wild stuff. There's fully voice acted, cartoon rendering. It's another game that's self-referential too. Yes. Like it, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Lots of puns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, this is a game that needs online co-op. I'll agree. I played this when it came out because it was all the hype. And I played it for a half hour. I did not like it. And I know that if I was playing this with friends, I would probably have a very different opinion on it. Well, the first stage is very standard beat-em-up, and I, I don't know how you feel generally about beat-em-ups. Like, I know that's a genre that L really enjoys. All right. But, like, I'm with you. Like, beat-em-ups are okay, but and, and they have gameplay that is more varied if you care to access the more varied gameplay. But it's mostly punch, kick, jump occasionally yell that that death wasn't your fault and then repeat it. But when you play with someone else, because you're having that experience of going through these things together, it's infinitely better than it is Mm -hmm. as a single player experience, in my opinion. Yeah, like when we were doing the 1989 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game for a little bit of time, Mm -hmm. like 
or, or actually, I'll even say, like the new collection that's coming out. Like, I look at that and go, oh, I bet that would be fun. But by myself, I know I'm never going to play those games. However, if there's online co-op and we want to do that for our Thursday nights, I'm in. Like, a beat-em-up by, with friends sounds like mm-hmm. fun. A beat-em-up by myself sounds meh. Right. I'm with you on that. Yes, agreed. And on the easiest difficulty, we very rarely died, if at all. We had to revive each other maybe one or two different stages at most. Yeah. And we played a good 15 or so stages. Didn't really count, but there's an achievement every time you beat a stage, which is lovely. And then uh, we're probably about three-fourths through the game. We played it for a good four or five hours straight. Because uh, time was ticking on uh, this month's random to-do list. So thank you for that, Michelle. Um, no if you look, there's almost 100,000 track gamers with this game, shockingly enough. And there's only too much of a shocker. 300 or so completions. And that is because of the local co-op nature. There are mm-hmm. five or so achievements with nine ratios and above. Uh, the ratio uh, ratio for getting the all the collectibles is actually a nine. Wow. And it's called, did you use a walkthrough? <laughs> That's the name of the channel. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, we did not use I wonder if any of those yeah. collectibles require you to have all three players, if there's something like that that restricts people from finishing it. Yeah, that is pretty we, shocking. We, yeah. Yeah, we didn't use a guide. We got whatever we got. We wound up with the 25 collectible achievement. I know there's a one for 75 before the one for getting all. So there's a, f- a fair number. There's five in each stage. And then a sixth bonus one for uh, doing it in the speed limit or the time limit. And I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people are kind of like in the same boat as me. You know, they play it because of the hype and then no, lo- no online co-op. It's just like, eh, I don't really want to continue this. Wow, I mean, that's, that's uh, a fair you, assessment. You dabbled in Especially this being game. Game Pass. You dabbled in this one as well. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I, I like beat 'em ups, and um, I remember Battle Toads from back in the day. Uh, <laughs> man, that that uh, that shaft level where you're just going down, oh, and you're kind of swinging back yeah. and forth with the flies. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's 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 what I remember most Turbo about the game. But um, but yeah, I I, um, I liked it. Uh, I didn't like it a whole lot my first try. I was like, oh, man, it, because it's very jarring. You, you go from your traditional beat-em-up to a weird button-mashing game. I think it's the second level or the second chapter or whatever, the second thing you go into. And it was very off-putting. So I put it down. <laughs> when something's off-putting, uh, I put it off. Uh, and then I came back. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was better the second time, um, and I, I did like it more. I think I, I can't remember why I was doing it. You know, RTDL or something made me go back and get some more stuff. And um, yeah, I, I liked it better that second time. Um, so I think that I would enjoy it if I went back and, and and cleared it up. I think I put it on easy, and then I was just like, yeah, yeah, this is fun. So it is a fun beat 'em up, and I, I would like to go back and, and play it some more for sure. Yeah. I- there is a risk inherent in featuring different gameplay motifs in your game. So when Elle and I were 
playing, we were enjoying ourselves, and then we hit this string of levels that are platformer levels, but they're not beat em up. So the closest I can equate it to is if you're playing something like Chariot, so not with the ridiculous puzzly type stuff, but where it was all like push a box and jump on this ledge. And it just felt so jarring and against the whole spirit of Battletoads, which is is the point, you know, not to get into detail, but it's the point of that section of the game. But and and maybe because we had also played a whole bunch in one sitting, but it, it felt like, okay, this is this is a little bit too far afield from the game that we were enjoying playing. So let's just put this down for now. So I totally get what you're saying about how changing the gameplay style kind of made you back off for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't remember what the other things were. I, I'm pretty sure there were other... I'm trying to remember what you're talking about. Okay, so you go from like a beat-em-up level, right. and then all of a sudden, I don't want to ruin anything, but you're in a section of the game where you're not fighting at all, but you... Uh, uh, all right, I'll do it. Is that You've the all tree? taken office jobs. Oh, yeah. I thought that <laughs> and was funny. you're hitting the stapler. <laughs> you're doing stuff like that. Oh, um, yeah, that's just they, like a in-between level... It's silly, uh, yeah. It was really yeah. quick. Cutscene thing. Yeah, it's it's more than a cutscene because you're doing it for a little bit, but but yeah. Um, but that also maybe that kind of threw me off. That may be the case too, where because we were playing in <laughs> in co-op, each one of us controlled a different toad. So mm-hmm. L had one segment of something that he had to do, and I was the one doing the stapling. Like, so it was. It didn't. Maybe it didn't feel as jarring because it was so quick. Because we only played effectively half the stage each. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So. For this game's version of the Turbo Tunnel, instead of going from left to right, you're 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 going from down to up. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the eloquent way of saying it, but you're on the bottom and you're basically just dodging left and right and jumping and going jumping through walls with holes in them or ducking under them. And there's an achievement in three player co-op for everyone to be on bikes together for 300 seconds. So I guess five minutes without dying for all three players, which seems like quite the task. Now, I'm pretty sure Inigo Montoya and his friend did it in local co-op. And I think his friend wound up using two different controllers and they got it done with, with two of them. So I guess it's doable. And that's a 14 ratio well, right the, now. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the turbo tunnel is static. It doesn't randomly generate. So it really just comes down to being willing to bang your head against the wall until you've memorized the pattern enough to get through it. I, from what we played, and we certainly lost plenty of times in the turbo tunnel, but it did not feel, at least from what we're playing it, from the time we're playing it, as unforgiving as the turbo tunnel in the NES game. Now, that could also be the difference between, like, nine-year-old me and current me and how we view those things. But it it seemed doable, but it would take patience and many, many, many tries. All right. That's Battletoads. I can't think of much more to say about it. Um, All right. In a local setting, we didn't really hear the music too much. I remember one of the musics mentioning that it sounded like, like it might have been a remix of the NES song. Other than that, your standard fare beat em up stuff. But if you have a friend, I would highly recommend it. Even one 
playing two players was fine. You don't need three, but I imagine with three, it's a blast. Like most beat em ups. Yeah. And you could switch uh, toads on the fly also, which is fun, especially in two players when All you're right. both fighting for the same one. Good times. Well, in that case, let's get to the last game of the showcase. Uh, Michelle, what you got? I have a revisit, actually. I just wanted to go back since I've already been able to piggyback on both you and L and your takes this week. I just wanted to go back to Tomb Raider Underworld real quick. And I mean real quick, because I know we've been, uh, we, I, I, we've had a lot to say about these games that we've been talking about today. So I finished the base game in Tomb Raider Underworld. I acquired all of the achievements. Nice. So just wanted to point out a couple things for the achievement hunters out there who are listening who might be considering Tomb Raider Underworld. This is one of those games that I put down and avoided playing for many, many reasons, but one of them amongst them is my tendency to put down any game that has an achievement that requires to play it on the highest difficulty level. I typically don't like my games to make me feel bad about my gaming. Agree. So, I am here to attest to the fact that the most difficult settings in Tomb Raider Underworld are really not bad. There are a couple reasons for this. First of all, if you're following a walkthrough like the one on TA, which is fantastic, you get more health kits than you need, and health kits give you a full uh, health bar. But the other thing is the checkpointing is is generous. What I mean by that is that when you die, you come back with full health and typically right by where you were. So you really don't have to worry too much about playing the game well. The other thing with Tomb Raider Underworld is there really aren't that many encounters. So you're, you're going to be fine. Stick the game on the hardest difficulty. Don't change anything because the hardest difficulty is just there are four sliders that determine difficulty. And when you pick the hardest one, it sets those for you. So don't change anything else. And then just go through and play the game. You won't have that much trouble. The campaign in Tomb Raider Underworld is about, I think it probably took me about 15 hours. So it's not a terribly long game. There is a DLC I just started to work on that's about four hours. And then there's a shorter one that takes less than one. Other achievement to highlight, if you should ever be doing Tomb Raider Underworld, there are three achievements in Tomb Raider Underworld for getting through certain areas in a limited amount of time. In and of themselves, not a big deal. But Tomb Raider Underworld is one of those games where you can com- you can create multiple save files, so you can easily go back and collect things and whatever else. You have to be mindful when you get to that first speedrun thing to not use different save files. If you do the first race or you fail the first race and then you come back to it, you run the risk of glitching out the get all the races achievement for yourself, and then you would have to start the whole game over. Other than that, though, nothing else really was was bad. You can go back for all the collectibles. So you can choose if you want to, to play the game straight and just explore it yourself and then come back for the collectibles. That's all fine. I At the end of the day, I enjoyed the game enough to press through for the completion. It still has those wonky camera angle issues. It's just a product of the way the game is. It doesn't have a completely free camera, so you will randomly bounce off of things. But yeah, I would encourage people who are interested in this one, especially if you're participating in 2020 Tomb Raider, which is a super clever name in the Discord. Um, I think... The Discord as a whole was down to only two games that had not been completed by somebody. 
in the Tomb Raider franchise. I know Underworld was one of them and I forget the other. Like even uh, the Relic Run game on Windows Phone has been completed by Mike Pitch. So the community has all been earning this Tomb Raider gamer score. This is a actually a pretty easy one to get some stuff done in. It's all single player, so no multiplayer boost. So I think it, at the end of this experience, I actually I enjoyed my time with it more than I didn't. So if you like Tomb Raider games and want to go back and check out one of the pre-apparently amazing games, this one wasn't too bad. All right. And that that's all I have to say about Tomb Raider Underworld. Well, with that, let's get into some sales. I'll go first. Uh, first game I got is Scott Pilgrim. Say, darn it, L, did you put that here? No. This is not my favorite game ever. I do not recommend <laughs> Scott Pilgrim Save the World. I don't care that it is seven fifty down from fifteen dollars. It's still seven dollars and fifty cents more than what you should pay for this game. Ugh. I do, however, recommend ha- Hover Ship Havoc. Uh, shoot 'em up game. Regularly ten dollars. It's now dollar fifty. Um, I streamed this game. Uh, yeah, a while ago. I don't remember. When I streamed this game, at least two years ago. If you want to go on YouTube and check out that, you get a better idea of how it is. Uh, TA calls it a uh, shoot 'em up. I also think that the roguelike tag should be added to this. But uh, yeah, it's a if you like shoot 'em up games, it's a pretty decent one. And for that price point, yeah, I give that a recommend recommendation. I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, Michelle, what you got? So I. I'm terrible at looking for sales, as has been established already between Koosh recommending stuff for me the last week or so. So this week, I again looked at the sales and went, I don't know. And Elle actually pointed out there is a bundle sale, uh, the Epopia? Epopia? I, I, it's the name of the publisher bundle. And this includes two games, In, I-I-N, it's spelled, and Garoons. Both of these games are normally $5 each. They're typically bundled for eight, and the bundle is down to $6.39 right now. Both of the games that are included are local co-op puzzlers. And one reason I wanted to highlight it now, especially as this podcast is releasing just before April, is if you're participating in the Better Completions Matter Challenge, this April's special monthly challenge is to earn as many achievements as possible in your completed games. And one of these games has 65 achievements on the list, and one has 81 achievements in the list. They're both relatively easy. One is like a 1.6 ratio, one is about a 1.2 ratio, and one is four to five hours, and one is two to three, I believe. So these look like relatively easy, hopefully relaxing puzzle games, but I can't speak to that. Local co-op is typically a plus by me. Not a huge sale, but two games for six forty is always a good deal. Are you saying playing mm-hmm. co-op with me is stress-free? Oh, absolutely I didn't not. Mention oh. you. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Nate, what you got? Yeah, so I actually didn't see. I, I was looking for things to recommend uh, that were puzzle, but I didn't see anything that looked good. Uh, and I, <laughs> I didn't pay too much attention to In and Garoons because I believe I've checked them out before, and I kind of passed on those. Um, so I, I hope, I hope that that scratches the itch for you, but I don't know. I'm a little worried. I, I'd love to hear back on this is, how they actually play out. It's all stuff to keep in the holster for if I ever want to really make that push for moving up the like global leaderboards for puzzle instead of just my state. So it's, it's good to have them in hand just in case that moment comes. Gotcha. 
Um, so what I am interested in and have put on my tab list, uh, Away, Journey to the Unexpected. This is $4.24, down from 17 Quite a jump. Uh, this is a roguelite. It looks like a first-person roguelite, uh, and it's four to five mm. hours. So um, it's kind of got a cartoony look to it. It looks interesting. Um, following that up, Curse of the Dead Gods. We have talked about this before. Uh, this is ten dollars down from twenty. Uh, it is a roguelite dungeon crawler. It's you know if if you <laughs> if you listened back when Rocker was talking about this, I think he was talking about it. it might have been Noth actually. Mm-hmm. I think, I think both of them have talked about this. Yeah, oh, so the, yeah the, maybe we were mm-hmm. talking about it then. Um, it is a good game. Uh, it is fun. It's you know it's that bite size fun. I'm just going to go do one run, and that might take you half an hour. It might take you an hour, depending on how well you do. Um, just of note, this is both uh, both the PC and the Xbox version are on sale. They're both ten down from twenty. Uh, they do not share a list. So if you're if you love this and you want to play it twice, maybe now's a good time. I can see it going lower, but you know, fifty percent off is pretty good. Uh, I, it's a great game. I like it. I wish I had time to come back to it, uh, and maybe I will at one point in time. And finally, Trash Quest. Now. <laughs> Uh, I haven't played it. I don't know, but it stars a raccoon. It's one dollar and seventy nine cents down from nine. You. It's a platformer Metroidvania. Um, it has speed runs. It has low damage runs, and it has low kill and no hit runs, meaning you don't get hit at all. Uh, so this could be a challenging Metroidvania. So if you do not like a challenge. Uh, ignore what I just said. But if you do <laughs> like a challenge or you don't care about completions and you just want to get Metroidvania score, uh, check out Trash Quest. It looks One amazing. Note for uh, Curse of Dead Gods, um, that is on Game Pass. So if you don't care about your tag, you can try it out and then decide from there if you want to buy it or not. Or complete it and never buy it. All right, well, in that case, let's get into... Let's get to some free uh, free games with games of gold. Uh, just as a reminder, as of right now, uh, really, until it, the day this podcast drops, there will be the last day that you can download The Flame and the Flood on Xbox One. So if you're listening to this day of, make sure you quickly download that so you don't lose out on that. Uh, Street Power Soccer is available until April 15th. And then on the Xbox 360 side as well, this is, you know, going to be available until day of this podcast drops is SpongeBob's Truth or Square. Um, And then we have next month's games. What it is is of April 1st to the 30th on the Xbox One, we have another site. And then also on Xbox One, we have Hue. Available April 16th to May 15th. On the Xbox 360 side, available April 1st to April 15th is... Oh, God, how do you say that? Outpost Kaloki X? That's what I would have gone close, with. Good enough. Close enough, anyway. Um, And then available April 16th to the 30th is MX vs. ATV Alive. Another... Uh, eh, four games I don't have. Yeah, can't, com- can't complain for that. Kind Nothing a, special, in my opinion. I think most people called it kind of a meh month. 
uh, MXATV Alive was Games with Gold in like 2015 or something like that. So that's a repeat. Was it really? It's a repeat, but it was a long time ago, so I can get a pass, I that's guess. That's kind of annoying. Uh, Outpost Clucky X was recently free if you paid attention to some sort of little glitch, uh, but most people have it on one of those XBLA unplugged discs that are like, hmm. that are like $2. Simulation management. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't look at how many gamers score that. And Doesn't we've talked good. about Hue before, uh, and, and just just a reminder: if you go when, if and when you pick it up, you can turn on the colorblind mode, and it makes telling the colors uh, differentiating between the colors a lot easier because they use patterns. Yes, as well. And while I'm not colorblind, it was still difficult to tell the difference between like the light purple, the purple. Yep, pink and purple. So yeah. And another site makes you see through the eyes of a cat, so you can't see as well. Great, brilliant idea. There you go, Pitark. Just like Beyond Eyes. <laughs> that one actually looks interesting, but of course, you know, that's the only one I don't have yeah. access to. So, so that's maybe that's why fine. I'm interested in that. It's different. Yeah. Not a, uh, not a stunning month, but it's not like we have a lot of those with <laughs> games of gold. I'm curious with another site though, like just looking at it now, just, just to take these numbers down at this moment, as we're recording, Another site has only been tracked by 118 gamers on TA. Oh, wow. When did it come out? Uh, June of 2019. Oh, wow. At this moment, it is worth 1,339 true achievement score. So I'm really curious how Games with Gold is going to impact those numbers, especially the amount of tracked gamers. That I'm going to be very interested to see next week. It's always interesting. Uh, thanks to the new handy TA feature, we can see that it's a $30 game, and the lowest it's ever been is fourteen ninety nine. so that might have something to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. But it's it, mm-hmm. it's a five to six hour game. <laughs> it's a relatively easy completion, but it's $30 normally, so it doesn't check that last box for a lot of the folks who are hunting achievement gains. So we'll see, because at this rate, knowing this community, I wouldn't be surprised if a whole lot of people suddenly start this in the next week or so. Oh, for sure. Free is free. While we didn't get podcasted with Games of Gold, we did get podcasted with Game Pass, so mm. knowing our luck come tomorrow, absolutely, we'll get the Game Pass announcement, so check out the Discord to see what those <laughs> are. But either way, we'll announce those games next week. On the live um, show. For the live show. However, for Game Pass, available now is Crusader Kings 3 on the Xbox Series X and S. The PC version was out. And then also Weird West for cloud console and PC is now available as well. I have to say a longtime listener, Rocker Dude, said that uh, <laughs> Weird West is possibly his second favorite game this year. So that's just, mm. uh, he sent me some fan mail. Um, <laughs> so, you know, recommendation from the community. Was Lawn Mowing Simulator overtaken? That was last year. That was oh, last year. Uh, mowing and just as a reminder, <laughs> leaving Game Pass on April 11th is Destiny 2, Beyond Light, Shadow Keep, and Forsaken <laughs> for the four people to play that on PC. It, yes, in yeah, on yeah, the yeah. PC for the four people in our community that actually probably play that. I imagine someone in out there cares. All right, uh, let's get into some contests. Definitely want to go over these as this is the last week before the, the new month. Uh, let's start with L, with the GTAX bonuses, for anybody that's left in that. All right, well, we lost nobody in the community. 
this week. So keep on rocking. Uh, the bonuses are in Solo, Flying High, and the period with the ratio over 4.0. And in Team, and the period with <sighs> each member having unlocked no more than 20 achievements with a ratio over 1.2. Wow. Yeah, we were playing uh, Turtles with the Ice Fire, and he was complaining. Well, not complaining, but he's, he was explaining to us that all the achievements he was getting under four were kind of messing him up, but he didn't mind. He was still playing with us regardless, so he used to compensate somewhere else. I was going to say, it seems like a really mean week yeah, between these mix. two bonuses, especially if you're going for, for that solo bonus. You're going to have to burn some uh, oh. preludes, possibly. Oh, man, a new month is coming. It's, it's, it's going to be my time soon. Nate? If you're talking about Gamer Tech Challenge, no, you can't win. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I hate to burst your bubble. You may have never heard this before, but you are not eligible. Oh. So, uh, so yeah, you, you can't win that. But we will be announcing that to people who can win <laughs> on next week's live show. We'll, we'll be airing both the results from this past month, which was Northern Last, and we will be announcing the new Patreon Gamer Tag Challenge of... You're going to have to wait. Aww. <laughs> Such a tease, Nate. All right. Uh, it's going to be Kushmus, yeah. I know it. Mm, don't think so. <laughs> Kushmus. Mm, that gives me an idea. Hmm. Lots of O's. But with that, let's get into our final segment for us... Let's get into Brad Camp. Take it away, Michelle. In completions, we have Luke 17,000, who has reached a new milestone of 50 completed games. Saucy Slingo is up to 300 completed games. Philip Wendell is just past 350. Bedholm and Heizo have tied at 500 completed games apiece. We have another tie with Elroy OMJ and Inferno 118 at 1,150 completed games. And finally, at the top of the heap, we have Lucas1987 with 2,450 completed games. That's wild. In ratio, once again, no one is doing anything. I don't know what's <laughs> up. Maybe we'll drop this category. In streaks, Crazy Catman is currently on a 200-day achievement win streak. Survivalist on a 250-day, and he is joined by XNeo21. We then have Retro Chief 1969 on a 450-day achievement win streak. A Bastion Reader with 1,550, and Saucy Wildcard Slingo with <laughs> 2,900 days. And Gamer Score, Erutarak, close enough, has hit 550,000 Gamer Score. That's the best you've ever seen. ZZ Urban Spaceman, that is the best I've ever pronounced that. <laughs> uh, 700,000 Gamer Score. Morbid237, 750,000 gamer score. Mike Pitch has, has hit 850,000. Nutty Ray has hit 1.2 million gamer score. And Elroy OMJ has hit 1.7 million gamer score. He gets oh, that yes. end of G task, uh, end of G task uh, milestone dump that we're going to start getting now. Mm hmm. Yes, Elroy, of course, was nice enough to show us uh, you know, a picture of his TV with the tag still on it and his disgusting uh, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys uh, paraphernalia littered everywhere around his living room. But congrats, <laughs> Elroy. <laughs> Speaking of wild card, they probably won't even make it there. 
So in leaderboards, I I put out a uh, a tag lately, and some new people joined us. So there'll be some new names here that I may or may not be able to pronounce. Like this one, Elysia is now in the top 500 of the T leaderboard for adventure. Bastion Reader is in the top five of the USA Max Completion Percentage Leaderboard for Windows Phone Shmups. Betel is now second overall in the TA Leaderboard for Xbox One Shooter. Well, that's pretty great. Wow. Ooh. And number one in the TA Difference Leaderboard for Windows Shooter. Amazing. Elroy is in the top 20 of the Gamerscore Leaderboard for Windows. Ruterik is now in the top 10 of the England Gamerscore Leaderboard for Turn-Based. Hatton 90 making his long-awaited return to sports leaderboard action. He's now in the top 500 <laughs> oh, of wow. the England TA Leaderboard for Racing and the Europe TA Difference Leaderboard for Sports. Welcome back, buddy. We missed you. Kitty Skies is now in the top 1,000 of the TA Leaderboard for Sports, honing in on your action. Legohead 1977 in the top 10,000 of the TA Difference Leaderboard for Stealth. Top 10,000. You can do better than that. That's not very stealthy. Mick Thumbs is now in the top 100 <laughs> of the Georgia Completed Games Leaderboard. And Michael KV is in the top 5,000 overall Gamerscore Leaderboard. Nicely done. Morbid237 is in the top 5 of the Maryland TA Leaderboard. Ooh, oh, a Marylander. Another Marylander. What do you want? A cookie with Old Bay on it? And... <laughs> I need it. Kenny's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who speaks? Um, <laughs> Pixabellao is now second in the Portugal TA leaderboard for tower defense. Nice. Awesome. It's great to see all these new new names. Mm-hmm. Love it. You should uh, move to More. Portugal, uh, Kenny. Uh, no, thank you. Okay. More, let us know in Discord where you're, where in Maryland you live. All right. I'm... In Bragg's, Ruterek, Ruterek, Completed Riders Republic. Hey, not bad. <laughs> Very okay, good. that was good. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Just came right off the tongue. Ahizo completed the entire Magic the Gathering series completion. Very good. Wow. Very nice. I don't know how many games uh, are there's like in six, that, but, but I know <laughs> they're all a grind. Does that so that's include a very good completion? That discontinued one? Yes. Those, it I, in, wow. It includes Magic Duels. Yes, I, I double checked. Wow. He was lucky to get ahead of that when it first started. It, it's now really just that's a brag. There's two 2015s, and then the rest were just Xbox Live Arcade games before that. But still, a very nicely done. I'm sure not very many have that. And Mad Lefty became a daddy. Uh, And he he broke the news today and changed his gamer tag to Dad Lefty to let us know. It was very cute. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. And uh, there's one more thing here. I'm going to let Koosh tell us what's up with all this other stuff here. Yeah. So my good buddies, uh, Freemhole, Saucy Slingo, and Matism, they completed Outriders last week <laughs> while we were recording. <laughs> and Freem posted that <laughs> with his, uh, you know, completion of them all getting it at the same time. Wow. How weird. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, posted a nice little picture. It says big time. Shots. Right after it. 
Uh, and then fired. you'll see that I have a completion <laughs> two oh, days later <laughs> where I was able to complete Outriders, and I did get some help some, from those same friends. And I wanted to uh, thank them, and I appreciate their help big time. <laughs> now, how come when you're in a party with Saucy, he helps you, but when I'm in a party, he says, what? Uh, can't hear you, Al. Your mic's broken, and then shoots me. When it's my turn to It begin. might be the Boston, New York thing. Oh. You know, the Boston, Maryland thing is a little different than the Boston, New York thing. All so right. I understand. <laughs> but uh, That's congrats hilarious. to the four of you for that nice completion. Another but Game that, Pass yeah, completion you. you don't have to chase. That, that's yeah. really yeah, great. That was, it was a fun game. I actually want DLC with achievements while it's yeah. still in Game Pass. I would even buy this game whoa. at 20 bucks. Whoa. So, wow. whoa, whoa. Yeah, I enjoyed it. This is a fun game. Mm-hmm. Very nice. All right. Well, with that, uh, we are finished. Um, Like we alluded to before, next week is our live show. So come on out to Twitch, twitch.tv slash age101. While you're there, drop us a follow and a sub. Um, Also, be sure to join the Discord, discord.io slash age101. Follow us on Twitter. Send us a couple Twitter tweets at Achievements 101. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can see all the past streams. Uh, you can listen to the podcast there if that's your kind of thing, if that's where you listen to podcasts, uh, at Achievement Hunting 101. And last but not least, if you can, uh, we appreciate the help of our patrons at patreon.com slash Achievement Hunting 101. There will be a Patreon drawing next week to get a $20 gift card. And, you know, if you want to help influence the show in any way, we ask our patrons questions. We go to them uh, for any advice or what, how we should do the show. And then also, each week, we ask them the question. The responses that you hear at the top of the show, that's from our patrons only. So if you want to get on that, and you can help us out, only a couple bucks a month, get you into a secret Discord VIP chat. But with that, class is dismissed. See you next week, live on Twitch. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cooperation Nation, uh, where me and Ahizo uh, play through co-op games. How you doing, Ahizo? Not too bad. How about you? Good, good. We're picking another, uh, I would say, tentpole. Uh, we're going to pick a couple of games here uh, for reasons that will become obvious here in a bit. Uh, but we're doing Gears 1 and 2, which uh, the reason we're doing those, we did these a long time ago. This is actually our first co-op projects. But we just recently beat Gears of War 4, and I, f- I think we both kind of felt like in order to tell you that story, we had to tell you the other stories. <laughs> so we did all four of the 360 versions. And, well, I, when I say 360, we did the Ultimate version, yep. and uh, I guess we'll just dive right into Gears of War Ultimate, and uh, it did not take us very long at all to do that, uh, besides a few sticking points. But what was your overall impression of Gears of War? I, I know we both had played it. As far as overall impression, I would say, much like with Halo Combat Evolved, there's a lot of general performance improvements that just make playing the Ultimate Edition so much better. The Co-op experience didn't seem to change a whole lot from the 360 one, which is good. The The general feel of it didn't change, but as with most games, playing through and co-op definitely improves the quality of the game a lot, especially when you're talking about something that was released in, what was it, 2007? Five originally? 
five? I think it's five or six. Five? Man, I think that it was wasn't early, wasn't it? So yeah, you know, yeah. when you're talking about a game that's over a decade and a half old, uh, you're going to be looking at some pretty rough gameplay. So, you know, being able to do that with somebody else and it definitely helps with the, the passing of that time as you hit the sore spots, but it, it, it actually held up surprisingly well. I was, I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> I, I would agree. I had done, this was my second playthrough. I had beaten the game on insane cooperatively a long time ago, but I was happy to kind of go back through and, and kind of do the ultimate edition since I had it uh, available and, yeah, overall, I, I, I still think it holds up very nice, Cause especially compared to Combat Evolved. I think that it is a, certainly a much more playable game. Uh, I think the only thing that really holds Gears of War back for me is my enjoyment of future Gears of War games. <laughs> I, I think I like the other ones so much more that it takes away from this first one. Yeah, that that's always a rough sticking point when you go back to something that's old, I think. And I think that's part of why I was so surprised at how well it held up was, you know, I, I went into it thinking, okay, we're gonna have all these quality of life improvements that we're going to lose out on from the newer games. And it just, I mean, yeah, that was the case, but it didn't really seem to impact my enjoyment of it much at all. I was pretty happy with that. No, and it has the cut content. Uh, I believe the an extra segment in Act 5 is the is one of the bigger differences as well for uh, the Brumac kill, uh, I believe is what we called it. Yep. You have five chapters where you're chasing. You start out running away from a Brumac, and then you decide to go on the offensive and fight it. And that was, if I remember right, I think that was the only time I actually got to do it in that game. I don't think the first game by default actually had a Brumac fight on it. No, it, it ended with that. Yeah. And so that was originally an exclusive piece of content to the Games for Windows Live copy of Gears of War. Was you got I think four I think it was four or five chapters in the last act that you got to go take down a Brumac and it was it was awesome I never actually got a chance to do it before this that was a very cool uh, moment especially since the games for Windows Live version is probably not the uh, most ideal version to play no not even a little uh, bit twenty twenty two games for Windows Live is not um, the most ideal thing to play in twenty twenty two no if you can get it working um, but uh, on the subject of co op. We flew through this. We were kind of looking at the the stats. This had done this a while ago, but even still, it looks like we started some point early December. It looks like the second. Yeah, it looks about right. Yeah, and we beat our first run through, which was just the normal playthrough. We played through on on normal and did beat that on the fifth, uh, and then we beat the game on insane like twelve days later. So, I mean, we. Comparatively to, to some of the stuff we do now, it uh, we flew right through yeah, it. Yeah, we, we definitely um, we definitely put a lot of time into this one in a short period because I don't recall it being a quick completion. I I think we just played it a lot. <laughs> well, I, and also uh, it helped that we didn't have too many sticking points, but the ones that we do did have was the at least for me was the minecarts. Uh, there's a section where uh, in the first game you split up uh, and an insane. You can't, like, dying is just, you know, if you're split up, you can't get revived. It's just too bad. Yep. And that minecart, I will always have issues with that minecart, and I never have to play it again <laughs> on Insane. So there's splody enemies, and they drop down, and they explode me every time. Yep, those Lambent Wretches. and that, that, was, that was definitely a pain, trying to time it out. You're going down and, you know, running down these rails, and then suddenly you got one pop out, and it's far enough away, you kill it. Another one pops out, same thing. And then a third one is always timed to just fall right into your cart. 
And of course, when you kill these things, they yep. blow up. So you're praying that you can kill it before it actually lands in your cart because you're just going to die if that happens. Either it's going to kill you or you're going to kill it and blow up. And that was that was a rough one. And it Gears of War Lancer shoots bullets that do somewhere an equivalent <laughs> of a pillow fight and a butterfly kiss. Yeah, it was not a great weapon in the first game. No, nah, I'm a hammer burst man. I love the hammer burst in that. And then the other one uh, is another split up. Anytime that we weren't split up, this is a, an insane where you don't instantly die. Um, you can revive each other. But there's a Act 4, 4-1 four or 4-2. It's in the campus of war or whatever they call it. But there's a high and a low. You kind of split up there. And that was a meat grinder. I think most of the playtime went to that section on Insane. Yeah, that that one took us a while. And I think, I think we actually switched who was taking which path on multiple occasions, just trying to finally get it right. And uh, part of what had caused so many problems was while one person is taking the low route, so they're outside, they're going through a court, couple courtyards, uh, they're having to deal with boom shots and torque bows, trying to get through a really enclosed space with all these explosives, and then you come out, and there is, I can't recall what the enemy's named, uh, but it's basically a giant worm that sticks out of the ground and shoots out yep. flying flying locusts that will like Not come over here. at, they'll fly yeah. towards you and they'll blow up. So while that person's dealing with that, the other person upstairs is trying to cover them, but at the same time, they've got their own torque bows and gnashers coming at them, trying to take them out uh, again in super close combat. So you're sitting there trying to deal with long-range combat down a scope of a long shot, while at the same time trying to keep an eye on what's going around you so that you don't get swarmed with shotguns. And it just, the the two split, the two pieces of that split just combined into a really gnarly, insane part. Yeah, it was, that was probably the hardest uh, ever. And after that, it was smooth sailing. Uh, we even beat Rom on Insane, both of us. Uh, unlike the other games, uh, both of us actually played on Insane. We did not do the cheese strats where you have one on Insane and one on Casual. We even beat Rom, both of us, uh, on Insane. It was kind of... That was a lot of fun, actually. And if I remember right, it was actually uh, our first run where we, uh, yeah. where we killed him and we got the achievement for beating him in co-op on Insane without either player ever going down. And we had planned on just... Folk just trying to get the completion and then worry about that later and then we just accidentally got it on our <laughs> first or second go so that was kind of nice it it just happened like we didn't even <laughs> yeah we was just we were totally prepared to just like yeah you know rama kills a couple times and that's cool we'll just come back and we'll you know no we killed yep. him I, I was very glad because that's a that's a rough fight on insane i do remember that from um even the lower difficulties on the 360 version yeah, yeah. It's just, and it was nice to have that out of the way. Overall, I think the list in, in one is a lot better to in the ultimate is a lot better than the than the original, the other version. Yeah, the original, uh, mostly because you don't have to play as Dom <laughs> in all of them. Uh, in, in the 360 version, you specifically had to play as Dom to get all the achievements. So you had to do everything twice anyway. So like beat it. If you had a friend, it would it'd just be like beat the campaign and then do it again as Dom. Yeah, because only player two could be Dom. You didn't get to choose or anything. And this time around, yeah, they didn't. I, I thought it was kind of interesting. So they got they got rid of that requirement. You would get it's just completing the game in co-op now. But I liked that they actually kept the names the same and all the co-op achievement names referenced Dom. So there's like I can't quit you, yep. Dom, for completing everything. Um, Domination. Yep. Yeah, domination for completing yep. ten. Dom curious for completing one chapter. And I, 
I, I just, I always found it kind of funny that they kept those names despite the fact that you don't actually have to play as Dom anymore. Yeah, there's no... Which is probably the... There's no Dom... Probably the biggest quality of life Dom improvement there was. Yeah, uh, and then the other one I w- did have a note here to touch on was the vehicle section. And if you're doing this, something you can note, you can switch spots on the vehicle section. Yeah, we, it took us way too long to figure that out. Uh, that that was... <laughs> we, we should have figured that out a lot quicker. Yeah, because as it turns out, uh, one of us was better at driving, and one of us was better at just shooting the, the turret, because you have a light turret to blow up the krill. Uh, krill hate light. They're bats, they hate light. Whatever. But you can't drive and shoot at the same time, and yeah, one of us was just... I think I was better at shooting, and you were better at driving, my recollection of what happened there. And I think Yeah, I think we started out that way, and I think we ended up switching from that. Because I, I remember trying very very hard to get past a couple sections of that driving but it kept messing you up trying to hit the krill. And eventually we were like, screw it. Let's try the other way. Maybe we'll get <laughs> yeah. lucky. And again, you know, I think, you know, once we switched, I think we had maybe two or three runs to get through it as opposed to the like 10 or so that we had done before switching. You know, and we yeah, just, so. we found out that worked. And that was even on a normal difficulty that we struggled a little bit. So it was nice by the time we got yeah. around to the insane run that we, you know, we knew how to pair that up. We knew who needed to drive. We knew who needed to point a giant flashlight at a bat. Yep. It's very important. It's, it's very important. People will live and die based on that decision. So, yeah, that was that was fun. That was the first one we did. Flew through it. And we played <laughs> Halo 4 in the interim, but actually in that same month, we went to Gears 2. Yep. Um, the only, well, for the 360, because I had never beaten that one on Insane. And we did. I think we did that one twice, so I believe the first time I didn't have the unlock, because I never have any of my 360 data, so I think we did it, just play through easy and then insane, as uh, my recollection. That's right, yeah, I forgot, yeah, that that was where we started to split it up into multiple playthroughs, was because we couldn't pair up both on insane and that one, and then we kind of just continued on with that, because it worked, it was a lot less stressful until Gears of War 4. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, no, that that was that was a good one. It, it definitely worked out us splitting up like that. It kind of gave me an opportunity because I've beaten it before. I think on hardcore, I don't think I ever beat it on insane part of this. But it you know kind of gave me an opportunity to relearn it a bit because I honestly didn't really remember much about the story at all. To be honest, three was the first one where I was oh. really paying attention to it. You forgot all about Maria and Ty. Uh, Ty is my favorite gear of. I war. forgot all about Maria until you mentioned her just now. <laughs> probably the, yeah so did uh, cliff Bazinski. possibly the most plot irrelevant character and I, i'm sure some <laughs> somebody will post about why so she was super important i guarantee it but the reality it, is just she the, doesn't matter you don't know who she is until no. the second game uh, i think she gets mentioned maybe once or twice as being dom's wife in the first game she has nothing to do with he's gears looking one. for her yeah and then gears two you're yeah. looking for her but you're just doing all this other stuff and looking for is kind of in the background. They've given you no reason whatsoever to actually care what happens to her. And you finally find her and it's supposed to be this like really nice moment where you're like, oh, he found his wife. And you're just thinking, all right, great. Moving on. We, we found this random person. Uh, I don't know you. Same with uh, Ty. <clears throat> if you ever hear me say that Ty is my favorite gear of war, it's because he's just shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my friend Ty. Ty's awesome. Like, we love Ty. And he doesn't do...
do anything. And then he has another moment where it's supposed to be big and dramatic, but we're just like, I don't know you. I, I don't have a connection. The the parts, the emotional gut punch, connect, uh, like that kind of stuff happens in three. Two gets closer to having an actual story, which I appreciate. Um, I, I like it much better than one. For me, it's probably three, two, one in terms of all of that. I can agree with that. Yeah. Two has another terrible vehicle section. It did. Yeah. So in this one, you're driving basically a miniature tank. I think it might actually be the same kind of vehicle you were driving in the first one. I can't recall for sure. I think it's called a centaur. Yes. Yes, that's right. And so you're in a snowy area and you have to drive across a handful of frozen lakes. But the problem is that these lakes are crumbling beneath you and not just as you drive. They just automatically do it based on a timer. So if you go too slow, then you'll end up falling underwater and dying and having to reset. And the checkpoints in this part are awful. If I remember right, yes. I think there's a checkpoint like before the last lake and that was basically it. But what makes it so rough yeah, is it, that you have to, you can't go speeding through because you're dodging so much because there's also random holes in the ice. Uh, at the same time, reavers are landing on the ice and firing rockets at you. So you can't go too fast. Otherwise, you're going to you know, be sliding all over the ice, can't control the car. But if you go too slow, then the ice is just going to eat you. And it it was rough. Let's not forget that the tank is cleverly made out of balsa wood <laughs> and hope uh, and can take... If you look at the centaur funny, it will explode. Yeah, that we, we, we died a lot of times just to like a random set of bullets that followed a rocket that should not have taken out yeah. something that size. And it's just even when we were playing on even even on that second run when we had when we were going through, I think it was your insane run. It it didn't help mm-hmm. knowing that section at all. It's just it, I, no, it just it's terrible. I, I won't. It's not luck based. I won't say that, but it definitely is one where. I don't know how much skill is involved in it because some of it is random. Some of the ice patches falling are set in stone. Some are randomized. I think the reavers were set in stone as far as where they came, but it's just trying to control that vehicle in general, let alone on ice was difficult enough that I'm, I don't know. I find I find it hard to believe if somebody is actually good at that section. I'm sure there's a speedrunner or something that's, somewhere. That's so, somebody out there has probably found like a single millimeter where if you run into a wall just right, it'll clip you through to the end and just be done. Yep. it's That's the way of it. Yep. Man, Gears 2, I, I don't have as much to say. I, I'm genuinely much more positive about Gears 2, but it's just a much, I, I found it to be a much easier experience because it looks like we did it in, I mean, I think we got yours in like a couple of days and then uh, mine was on the 10th. We finished the my insane run. Unless it was only it was what so, less than a week after that. Yeah, I I, I will yeah, say because on the topic of not so relevant characters, one thing that did disappoint me was the enemy boss of Gears of War Two was Scourge. Mm. He's the leader of the Cantus, and they tried to do a little bit of build up, and there just wasn't enough mm-hmm. of it. And then you kill him at the end, and he just doesn't matter for the rest of the trilogy. You've never heard of him in one. So it was better than Marie and Ty. You know, like I said, they did try to build him up a bit during the game, show off how bad he was, all that. But there just wasn't enough of it, in my opinion. And somehow, oh yeah, despite General Rom not having a whole lot of buildup, the buildup they did have was enough that, I don't know, I was kind of disappointed with Scourge after that. I, I really liked Rom. He is one of my, I would actually put him up there as one of my favorite villains of a video game, as far as like individuals go. And scores were just kind of 
it felt like they wanted to do so much more and were trying to do so much more and it just kind of didn't work out he has twin chainsaws on his staff he did he is the darth maul of gears of war and he has his own ride that also has a name that i forget i think he think he was flying around on a reaver actually okay it's like his own it's not it's, it's not a reaver it's like bigger than that it has its own like face was it a different thing i was thinking it was just a giant reaver oh no i'm thinking of no. when you're fighting them you have to fly on reavers the two of you that yeah that was yeah not difficult but not fun because you don't get to control the yeah, reaver you just shoot yeah there's there's a lot of much more cool sections uh the brumax part the part there where you can grind out your seriously 2.0 that's awesome <laughs> yeah just get your turbo controller and let it run forever they just sort of amped it uh, a lot more, a lot more novel sections in between. There is even a piece of cut content w- that we did, The Road to Ruin, which is short, but, you know, mildly entertaining. I, I didn't hate it. It was like a miniature chapter that takes place near the end of when you're looking for Maria. Right after. It's right after it right you after? Uh, find Maria. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because that's yeah. why you have to make the decision. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it was really good. I'm actually kind of surprised that it got cut from the original. I found that very strange because it doesn't have, it doesn't feel like it wasn't polished. It doesn't feel like there was any particularly bad point about it. It seemed to fit in with the story well. So I was always a little confused as to why it got cut in the first place because I feel like there's other parts of the game that probably could have done to be cut before that. You spend so much time underground just generally progressing and fighting locusts. And I feel like probably one of those chapters could have been cut and not really impacted the story. Whereas this... I would actually argue that if anything made you care about Maria, it was going to be this chapter. Yeah, it's like he's having his own moment. Yep. And it, they skip it, and they're just like, oh, well, whatever. He that That's done. His feelings are as important as Maria was. <laughs> and more important than Ty. Oh, everything is. T- my favorite gear. Ty had so much potential. I've I've read a little, about, little bit about him over the years. And it seemed like he would have, like he was going to be such a cool character, but it was all in books and stuff. And you just didn't get to experience that in the games. It was kind of disappointing. Yeah, I don't read any of the books. I, uh, I, I haven't I, either. I'm just stuck with the story that we've... <laughs> at, at least 2 did have a story. It may have had its slow points, but Gears of War 1 was more rah-rah, bro-fist, meat man. You know. Gears of War 1 is what I'd call a porn plot. <laughs> it's not important. It's a setup. To get to why you're ki- like to get to the action. There you go. It's it's a flimsy excuse. <laughs> it's not a plot. Yeah. And then Gears of War two dialed back on that quite a bit. Uh, the plot still had some sore points to it, where they were still trying to kind of figure out where they wanted this story to go. But I I think that given that given what they were coming from in Gears one with not a whole lot of ongoing story, I think they actually did a pretty good job with it. And m- much like Gears one, it holds up in twenty twenty. It does. I would highly recommend Gears of War 2. So. And, and to the point, the collectibles are varied and actually have backstory parts to them where you can read about the different stuff. They're not just cog tags. Yes, two. there are. There's newspaper clippings you can learn. I think there's some that tell you about what happened on E-Day, some that happened as during the Pendulum Wars, which was the wars that were going on right before the Locust showed up. And then even the cog tags, you get like a little mini dossier on the soldier they belonged to. It's little things like that that I like. You've got other games like Assassin's Creed 2 where your collectibles are, oh, go pick up 10 million feathers because your dead brother liked them, and I guess that means you want to collect them. 
You leave Petruchio alone. <laughs> Petruchio got what he deserved. <laughs> he got got. But yeah, no, Gears of War has always, shockingly, for a game that, for, for a series that is well known for its ridiculous, seriously achievements, it has probably the best, impl- one of the best implementations of collectibles. I mean, you know, they're relevant. Uh, they give you a little bit of storyline, but they're not critical to understand what's going on. They give you a little more lore about the world. And I don't recall any from any of the games that we've played through that were really super out of the way and difficult to get to. Like, if you've got a guide, you shouldn't struggle with any of them. If you don't have a guide, a lot of them are still kind of on your way or in obvious places. Like, you might be running through, like, what looks like an apartment complex and everything is shut, except there's this one door that's open and you're just supposed to run by it. Well, that kind of stands out. You go in there and there's a cog tag or something. So the ones that are out of the way aren't very out of the way. And even better, everything tracks. Um, in, in-game, in you yes. can find, and this also works for Ultimate, but you can see exactly what you're missing and where. Yep. I think we did end up missing one on mine, because I didn't get my collectibles one until later. Yep. But same thing. Like, we just could tell, oh, this is where you got it. This is what we missed, because you have a catalog of everything. And I wish more games would do that. Yeah, I don't know if Gears Ultimate did this, but I know at least with two... You could actually look and see your exact progress on every achievement, not just the collectibles. So you could see how close you were. And later games improved on this a bit by giving a little more detail. The one thing I didn't care for about the Gears 2 one was when it came to things where you had to do, uh, you know, a certain amount of different things. A lot of them don't actually track what you've done. So like if I remember right, uh, I believe there's an achievement for beating wait the first 10 waves on all five or all four or five maps from one of the DLCs for Horde mode. And the tracker just tracks 0 to 40. So you have no mm-hmm. idea which ones you completed 10 on. Like, if you're at 36, did you complete 3 of them to 10 and 1 to 6? Did you complete four, all 4 of them on 9? You don't really know. But honestly, yeah. I mean, that might be the biggest dig I've got on Gears 2. It, just, it was a solid game. For a game that came out, the tracking on that, though, for a game that came out in 2008 rivals a lot of the new games that we have now yeah. uh, in terms of achievement progress tracking. Yeah, more games need that. Yeah, it's it's night and day. But yeah, overall, I would highly recommend both of them. I'd say to if you haven't played them, start at one. And I'd say get a co-op partner, too, because I think it's not... I don't think it's impossible to do any of these on Insane. There's some... A little annoying bits, but once you kind of get a feel for it, they're very straightforward, I'd yeah. say. Your your biggest pain point is going to be if you do choose to go solo. The AI in the first couple games are not good. They're just at all. They No. And two, they're okay. And one, if they weren't there, you wouldn't even notice. All, the, all they do is just hang back and fire pot shots here and there. And most of those pot shots are aimed like stormtroopers, and they don't do anything. But... Two improved on yeah. that a little bit, and then they, they definitely started to figure out how to handle your AI teammates later on. Oh, yeah. And and that we will get to in a future yeah. episode on Three and Judgment. Everyone's Ooh. favorite Gears of War. Gears of War Judgment. Gears of War Judgment gets a bad That's rap, it. and it's much better than people I remember. Say, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are very confused by our thoughts on Gears of War Judgment. <laughs> but that is another that show. Is another show. Any any closing thoughts uh, before we uh, set them loose here? Yeah, uh, these games are all awful. Don't play them. Just start with three. Yep. Just story. Uh, yeah, matter. actually, just go right to Judgment. It's the first canonically. There, there you go. Play it in a weird order. Start with uh, Judgment. Tactics. 
Got to go tactics, <laughs> and then you can do judgment, and then you're ready to start the prologue for Gears of War Four. Some some people so have that done you can that. Get to you. You know, some people have done that because there's a bunch of weirdos out there that play things in chronological order and not release order. And if any of you are listening yep. to this, I want you to know that you're awful and you're what's wrong with gaming. <laughs> and on that bombshell, before we offend any more people, I've been Vulgar Latin. I'm Izo. Uh, and thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. We're off on a quest. We're gonna beat the rest. With fire and steel, magic and beer, we're gonna be the best. Fog through the land, sword and shield in hand. Never stop till we get to the top and then strike up the band. Hello. I'm Wakapale, who on an earlier episode teased that I've been playing one of the very best games published by Ratalaika, yet cannot recommend it to an archetypical achievement hunter. Quest for Infamy is a faithful to a fault homage to the fantasy point-and-click open-world role-playing hybrid Quest for Glory from the late 80s and early 90s. It was originally released on PC back in 2014, but was released on Xbox in March of 2022, courtesy of Ratalaika, with a very atypical achievement list from the publisher. Quest for Infamy only has 39 achievements compared to Steam's 59, as Ratalaika cut many endgame, missable and grindy achievements from the Xbox list, yet it still requires two full playthroughs or some careful save management and one additional partial playthrough to get all of its currently obtainable achievements. Your first achievement will likely take around 30 to 60 minutes without a guide. Sadly, one achievement is unobtainable for now, which is also very surprising from Ratalaika. Collector of useless things should be an easy achievement, unlocked by buying or stealing two specific expensive but unnecessary items from the in-game shops, but it appears to be glitched on Xbox as well as PlayStation. Quest for Infamy is extremely faithful to its early 90s inspiration, completely ripping off its graphical user interface and style, still retaining the 320 by 240 resolution. I find it really funny the game is series optimized, considering it looks and feels like a more than 30 year old game. I was pleasantly surprised by how well using a controller worked, even if a mouse would be the superior way to play the game. To me, Quest for Infamy is distilled nostalgia. I'm a huge fan of the Quest for Glory series, and Quest for Infamy is so similar to those games, it is close to plagiarism. What sets it apart is that you play as a roguish character who is mostly looking out for himself, instead of a wannabe hero. Quest for Infamy is not a very apt title. The character you play as, Mr. William Rome, might not be a goody two-shoes, but he is not actively trying to get infamous. He'll steal anything not bolted down if he can get away with it, but he is smart enough not to anger people who do not deserve it. At the start of the game, Mr. Rome gets on the bad sign of a baron after said baron catches him in his daughter's bedchambers. On the run, Rome is heading for the capital of Lonaria to lay low for a bit, but finds himself stranded in the valley of Krasna since some cultists has destroyed the only bridge allowing access to the capital. 
Like Quest for Glory, Quest for Infamy features three playable classes which boils down to warrior, thief and magic user, each with unique content and different ways to solve the game's puzzles. The open world gradually opens up during the story and it is huge, spanning more than 200 screens, which apart from the crappy and story-wise optional mine area, are visually distinct and make the most of their 320 by 240 resolution and limited color palette. Quest for Infamy is fully voice acted. Unfortunately, the acting is a bit uneven. The writing is usually fine and the important characters all have decent voice actors. Sadly, some of the side characters are rather terrible. There's also a day-night cycle and many items and events are only available during specific times of a day. Nights are usually more dangerous with more and tougher enemies. Unfortunately, the semi-turn-based combat is garbage. Fortunately, I believe there are around 5 required fights in the game which can easily be overcome by setting the combat difficulty to easy and stock up on healing potions. As long as you pay attention, you can easily run away from enemies before combat is initiated. You level up your combat and other skills by using them, but there are no attributes such as strength or intelligence to improve. While you do run out of stamina, if you run too much, it will just force you to walk instead of taking damage as you did in the Quest for Glory games, and combat is not affected by you being exhausted. Rome is usually pretty smart about avoiding danger, and will refuse most actions that would get him killed or in trouble, unlike the hero in Quest for Glory, who would happily drink poison or kill himself by putting lockpicks up his nose. The very first thing I did in the game once I was given control was interacting with the river. Rome fell in and the narrator made a joke about a certain knight who didn't know how to swim, while Rome managed to keep his head above the surface. That said, there are plenty of ways to die, so you should remember the Sierra mantra, save early, save often. There are autosaves, but they are few and far between. If you play without a guide, you can easily go 10 hours between autosaves. The inventory management is very bad, since there are usually multiple ways to solve puzzles, and different classes have different quests, there are tons of items you can pick up which might be useless in your playthrough. Sooner rather than later, your inventory will be filled with both useful items and worthless crap, sometimes literally. There's a main store objective to find an important object near a farm, so I decided to search the fields, which made Rome stash a fresh goat turd in his inventory. I never found a use for it that playthrough, as it turns out it is only used in a magic user quest. Other items, such as the crowbar, see frequent use throughout the game. You need to stay fed, rested and pay for your room at the inn, which at first seem annoying as money is hard to come by, but it turns out money is rather easy to earn once you've progressed a bit through the story. The least painful way to get rich is by completing the magic user's side quest, but once you have access to the archery minigame, you can just keep replaying it until you've gotten as much gold as you need. It is stupidly easy to win. If you line up one bullseye, which isn't difficult, you can just keep firing your arrow at the same spot by holding A. You barely have to look at the screen after your first arrow. As an added bonus, the archery minigame also improves your combat skills. 
A proper playthrough, listening to the dialogue, exploring and figuring out the game yourself will take around 10 to 15 hours if you consult a guide if you get stuck, but a second playthrough can be done in less than an hour. There are speedruns on YouTube completing the game in less than 30 minutes, but there is no way you'll earn all of the achievements in anywhere near 30 minutes. As much as I enjoyed Quest for Infamy, I find it hard to recommend. If you didn't know anything about Quest for Infamy, you could rather easily be convinced it is a port of a 30 year old instead of a merely 8 year old game. There is no journal or easy to see objectives. The game relies on you paying attention to what you're doing and what people are saying, which would make it rather difficult to return to if you put it down for a bit. The open world is very large and takes a while to traverse. Thankfully, one of the few modernizations added to the game is a fast travel option, which I didn't dare to use in case I missed new events while exploring. I unintentionally sequence broke the story several times and I'm pretty sure I missed out on an event or two while exploring. The Xbox port job was better than I expected and I was happy to play Quest for Infamy on console. Sadly, I appear to be in the minority as almost a month after release the game has a mere 22 starters on TA. A port of a niche but well regarded $10 Ratalika game with 22 starters on TA is kind of shocking to me but quite indicative of its reception among achievement hunters. Quest for Infamy is one of my favorite Ratalika games alongside Stranga's My Big Sister and Just Ignore Them. The game is Ratalika's most ambitious release ever. It began development in the early 2000s and was released on PC in 2014 after a successful Kickstarter. The Xbox port benefits from years of updates and bug fixes, but Ratalika sadly do not appear to be rewarded for releasing a quality game. It's hard to blame Ratalika for pumping out borderline shovelware when games such as Bouncy Bullets have just under 300 times as many players on TA. Paradox Souls has 200 times as many players as Quest for Infamy, and Radio Squid has more than 100 times as many players. I know players on TA does not equate sales, but it's not a good look. Launching just after a slightly more hyped open world role playing game, Elden Ring surely put a dent in the early start numbers, but I doubt many will play Quest for Infamy on Xbox. Quest for Infamy currently has a ratio above 3. Not because it's difficult, but because it is unusually time-consuming by Ratalika standards. It has few modern concessions, and unless you have nostalgia for the point-and-clicks of yesteryear and Quest for Glory in particular, Quest for Infamy is a tough sell. I had a great time with it, but it demands your attention in a way most games do not these days. You tell me if $10 is a fair price for an old-school open-world role-playing point-and-click. I would say yes, but the average achievement hunter appeared to say no. Have a nice day everyone!